Hey everyone and welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host Chris Platty and joining me once again is uh, NBA fan favorite of the Strictly Hoop Talk podcast, Rob Lopez, chief, chief editor of, De- of Def Pen Sports and also covers the New York Knicks. Rob, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? How's everything going? Uh, you know, just trying to enjoy the little bit of downtime we had. What would we have in total, like three days of downtime in this offseason? <laughs> Uh, now, well, I mean, now that Isaiah Thomas, well, Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving's traded, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say we've had a couple days where it was kind of dead, maybe the last couple days over the holiday, but now, uh, you know, we come back from the holiday and Carmelo talk is ramping up, so. Right, not, right. Not really skipping a beat. Yeah, not skipping a beat, and, you know, now we're starting the preseason, uh, preview, so this is the second podcast, the second division I'm doing, so I'm doing... I'm breaking down uh, team reviews by each division, and so today we're going to do the Atlantic division, which works because that's what Rob Lopez um, covers. He covers the New York Knicks. Um, so we'll go in order of uh, worst record by record last year from worst to best, and so that leaves us to kick it off with the Brooklyn Nets. So the Brooklyn Nets, um, they they didn't have a lot of major transactions outside of outside of the big ones being the D'Angelo Russell. Um, Alan Crabb and Damari Carroll trades again. They traded, uh, they traded um, Brooke Lopez to uh, to LA in order to take back uh, D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov to unload that contract so that the Lakers had cap space. Um, they acquired Alan Crabb in a trade um, for basically Andrew Nicholson, uh, basically a cap a cap clearing move for the Portland Trailblazers. Um, they did not get any picks back, right? Or no. Up <clears throat> no, I, I don't think I, there was a. I think that was just a, a player for up. player. If anything, if anything, it was a second round pick because I don't remember there yeah. being a pick attached to that. Yeah, I, I was looking it up and I didn't see that um, Brooklyn had any incoming picks. Um, yeah, I so, don't think it was or outgoing. So um, yeah, and then they also acquired a. Uh, then they also acquired a pick in the trade for Damari Carroll. They uh, they acquired, I believe, it was a protected lottery protected first from Toronto. Yeah, I think it's lottery protected this year, and then it's unprotected next year, I believe. Right, and so, uh, so yeah, so those were those were really the big moves. Outside of that, like I said, um, they lost Brooke Lopez, they lost Justin Hamilton, um, and and again Andrew Nicholson in the trade, Randy Foy, Archie Goodwin. So um, a lot of not a lot of changes to Brooklyn, but some. Um, how would you give this off? What what grade would you give the Nets for this off season? I should say. Well, the thing about the Nets is that <clears throat> you have to grade everything kind of on a curve right. or I guess on a on a different scale as compared to other teams given their situation in the past going into what they have now um, and, and their new regime uh, led by uh, Sean Marks there. You know, he came in with no assets. You know, he came in last season, I believe, or midway through the 2014-15 season, 2015-16 season. Um, yeah, at the end of 2016, 2015-16 there. And, uh, you know, he came in with nothing. Um, and he flipped a bunch of stuff. He let a couple guys go. And now he's sitting on, you know, if if you're looking at the team where it is right now, you know, I like to take a, a lot of players um, for what they are um, right now in, concerns of, in, in terms of their age as opposed to how many years they've been in the league. Um, you know, because you got like got a guy like Kyrie Irving, for example, he's been in the league six years already and he's only 25. Um, so he's, you know, one of the younger stars in the league, but you know, you look at their roster, D'Angelo Russell, like you said before, they got him just for unloading a contract. That was the number two pick a couple years ago. Um, he's 21. 
he's still a young player. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, he's 22. Um, they got a couple other young guys like Isaiah Whitehead, who played really well for them. Karis LeVert, who they feel, and I know they feel that Karis LeVert's going to do something really important for them coming up as a kind of like a, a, a point forward type of guy. If you remember kind of like how Hidu Turkoglu was kind of like right. that for the Magic a couple years ago, um, back when he was in his prime with Dwight Howard and Jameer Nelson, when he would bring the ball up. Karis LeVert, kind of a similar type of role, completely different player, of course, but similar type of role to a ball handling bigger forward. He's six seven. He's a big guy. Um, and then they have a, a, a rookie in Jared Allen, um, who's a big man, 6'10", he can stretch the floor a little bit. He played it for Texas, and, you know, Texas bigs usually do pretty well, especially the bigger guys, you know, Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Aldridge, um, even more recently, Miles Turner. So usually Texas has some pretty has, – has a nice track record of those big guys. I like what they did. I mean, if I'm giving them a grade overall, I would say it's a B. It would have been an A for me if they got a pick in the Allen Crab trade from, from the Blazers. Um, and you know, as, as little as it seems, it is very important because you are ticking on a guy in Alan Crabb that sure you did want him last year. Um, when you signed him to that, uh, uh, offer sheet and forced Portland to match. Sure. You wanted him last year, but now this year you're a year into that contract and you see, eh, I don't know how good he really is. Is he worth that kind of money? Especially now that we see that a lot of teams kind of are, um, choke holding their salary as the salary cap numbers fluctuate given, um, how much money and revenue the teams get off playoffs and stuff. So I, th- I would give them a B overall. I do like their roster. You know, I don't think they're going to be that, that pick. And I'm sure, we'll, you know, you'll get to it in a future podcast or, or we'll even talk, talk about it when we go over the Celtics. That pick that they got, that the Cavs got, the Nets pick, I don't know how bad that pick's going to be. I mean, it'll be a lottery pick. But I don't – is it is it going to be 10? Is it going to be 9, 8? You know what I mean? And especially in this draft – where you got maybe five guys who are can't-miss guys, and the rest are kind of, they'd be lucky if they're a rotation player kind of prospects. Um, you know, it's a really dramatic drop-off, according to everybody who's really in the know as far as draft and stuff like that. Um, I don't know how bad Brooklyn's going to be this year. You know, they won what they won last year, 20, 25 games or something like that. 20. Um, yeah, so they won 20 games. They can win 30 games, and there's a lot of bad teams, especially in the East, you know, that they'll play a couple times this year, whether that be Atlanta, um, Indy, um, who else is really bad? Chicago, those teams that are going to be pretty bad, pretty atrocious this year, tanking for that top pick, um, whether that's, you know, Luka Doncic or, or Michael Porter or um, Marvin Bagley, one of those younger studs. Um, Brooklyn's not in that mode. Brooklyn has no reason to lose. D'Angelo Russell has everything he, he needs to succeed. He has the keys to the car, essentially. Um, Jeremy Lin will be very good. I think Jeremy Lin and D'Angelo Russell kind of playing. I, nobody's the real point guard. We're both kind of ball handlers. We're both able to shoot and or drive to the rim type deal. I think that would be interesting. Um, you know, you can't really put I, – I, I think D'Angelo Russell's more of a two-guard. I've always thought he was more of a two guard, just like I, I. And people think I'm crazy for this. I also think Brandon Ingram and the Lakers. I think he's a two guard too, even though he's six ten. He's long as hell, but I think him as a two guard, kind of playing like a Clay Thompson longer wingman, is interesting. But that's another story for another day. But D'Angelo Russell, you know, his his style is kind of slash to the rim, get to the hoop, score, um, shoot some threes if he's open. I think him playing playing alongside Jeremy Lin with that nice pick and roll with Mozgov. Um, him spotting up maybe a little bit, Alan Crabb spotting up a little bit, 
Um, I think in Damari Carroll too. Oh my God, his best years in Atlanta were, and I, I know this is a thing that a lot of people have said. His best years in Atlanta were with uh, Kenny Atkinson, the current Nets coach. So I think Brooklyn did pretty well for themselves. I mean, compared to what other teams in the division did. Um, <clears throat> if you want to look at uh, the Knicks, for example, um, <clears throat> even the Raptors, I think Brooklyn did pretty well for themselves. Like I, I don't think I, I think they did as well as they could given the situation that they're in. Yeah, I would agree with you. I was going to say, I ultimately went with the B as well um, for pretty much all the reasons that you just outlined. Um, the trades were great. Other than it was going to be an A-plus if it wasn't for that Alan Crabb trade to me because to me, I thought I really liked them trading for the assets like like Russell Toronto's first-round picks, uh, or first-round pick, I should say. Yeah. But um, the Alan Crabb trade was one, and, and it – We'll get to this later because this is something that I I really think is not being talked about enough right now. It's kind of being whispered but not really talked about right now is that there is a real lack of cap space in the future in, in next offseason. So cap space is going to become very valuable. So I would have liked to have seen Brooklyn use that cap space and really um, if you're going to take on a bad contract, which they can still take on more bad contracts. They're not yeah. capped out. But – um, and they can also do something. I hate to cut you off. I'm sorry, yeah. but they can also do something with some of these veteran guys that they have under bigger contracts if they start to play well. Um, Trevor Booker comes to mind. He's on a pretty cheap salary at nine million. Um, if they can flip him into something, if say say he starts doing pretty well, yeah. and the team needs a, a, a you know a four man who can rebound and you know protect the rim a little bit. That's a nice asset that they can flip to a team looking for a, a four man one year left on his deal. Um, and get something back for that, you know, and then start putting other guys in positions to succeed, whether that's Jared Allen um, or another young big man. Because, you know, last year they had a couple younger guys who, who came up and did some things for them. You know, it's it's like you said, they have the room to accept some of these contracts and flip some of them too. Yeah. And so where where I was really going with, and I agree with that, um, you know, we'll talk about that later, potential evaluating potential <clears throat> assets on this team. But um, one of the things, one of the things that I didn't like about them using that cap space is because even though they have more cap space, you don't want to kind, you don't want to be too high on the cap payroll or the salary payroll when you're not going to be a good team. You're maybe you're Basically maybe like Portland a ten, did. yeah. So you don't want to you don't want to go all in on a team that's going to be bad. You want to stay in that bottom third <clears throat> level of um of salary cap where you're not where you don't have the worst salary cap but so that you kind of diminish what you uh what your returns will be because not a lot of people will be invested in this Brooklyn team right now um you know maybe if these young guys start to turn out maybe they will but um for now it's more than likely looking like this isn't a team that's going to generate a lot of interest and so I I wouldn't if I was the front office I wouldn't want to use a lot of cap in order to, um, yep. in order just to, uh, just to get some assets. So I did So that was the only problem I had with them. And also, I would have liked to have seen them go um, hard at. Um, they went hard at Auto Porter, which was which was nice. I thought that was a good move, um, even though Auto Porter did get overpaid. I, I still like them going for those restricted free agents, and I like them maintaining the cap space to be able to do that in the future. Um, but I wish they would have took more flyer guys and go for a guy like Noel. I thought Noel could have been a very interesting guy for the Nets to really kind of force um, Dallas's hand late before the Allen Crab trade. I w- 
when negotiations stalled between Noel and the Mavs, I would have liked to have seen Brooklyn kind of chime in and do some type of offer sheet that could have really um, put the Mavs in a tough position because Noel and Russell could be a nice pairing. I don't know how good that could be, but again, when you're a team like Brooklyn, you just kind of got to take flyers on guys and hope for yeah. the best. I th- I think they <clears throat> I think their thinking behind it was more like we have already a lot tied up to the front court. Right. Um, you know, Demar Carroll could play a little stretch four. Uh, Mozgov getting fifteen million. I mean, Mozgov yeah. and Carroll making thirty million dollars combined right. alone. Trevor Booker making nine million. That's a lot of money tied up, and I'm sure Noel. You know, he's probably going to be fifth in the range of ten to twenty million there, anywhere in between. Um, you know, they reported. I think it was four years over seventy two. I think he reportedly yeah. rejected or whatever. And then you have Jared Allen too. You know, that kind of stretchy big. Um, kind of does some similar stuff like Noel does, but I mean, you want to develop him too at the right. same time. And if you're bringing in Noel and you already have Mozgov and you have Booker and Carroll, that's just, you know, diminishing yeah. playing time for a young guy you want to develop. So I think that was their thinking behind it, but I agree. Um, you know, they should have spent, I think they should have went after, uh, Catavis Cobo Pope really hard. Um, yeah, that, that was another you know, name. I just think I, I just think he was going to get a ridiculous contract. Um, and he did. And I, and I love KCP, but, um. And I think he's a phenomenal player, but he definitely was looking to get overpaid. I mean, he was looking for that 23 mil that he got from L.A. for four mm-hmm. years. He was yeah. looking for that kind of money. So um, I'm I'm glad that Brooklyn didn't invest in that kind of money because I think that that's an overpay. If you get KCP for 16 mil for four years, I'm good with that. Like 60 mil a year for four years, I'm good with yeah, that. Yeah, because then, then you're looking forward with Brooklyn's roster. I mean, uh, I believe Jeremy Lin's contract's up after this season or next season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, ideally you would see your backcourt of the future as D'Angelo Russell and Catavius Caldwell-Pope, which is not bad. Yeah, it's um, not bad. Pairing. I guess, yeah, it's a, it's a Steph Curry, Clay Thompson light type of deal where one guy's really the offensive threat shooter. Um, you know, running the team, the other guy's kind of the defensive 3 and D type of dude, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I could see, un- understand where they're kind of going with that, but yeah, the price, I mean, you know, it was either, it was either spend money on him or, or bring in somebody like Crab. Yeah. And I would take, I would take KCP on Crab's contract. Oh yeah, I would too. Right. Oh yeah, I would. So yeah. Um, well, I know this is a season preview, but I do want to step outside and kind of look to the future. Then we'll get back to some more, um, in season, in season stuff for Brooklyn. But, uh, we kind of talked about it earlier in the podcast, so I do want to get to it now. What do you think the best way for is for this Brooklyn team to build going forward? Should they continue to take these bad contracts like we talked about to get assets, or should they start to go the Philly route considering year after year, uh, or after this year, sorry, they will have, uh, they'll finally have their own first round picks. What do you think yeah, is the best way to build? That's the thing, right? Now they're going to have their picks back after the 2018 draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're looking forward into the future drafts, I mean, 2019 and so on, um, I haven't, you know, there's a lot of names, obviously the number one name, um, everybody's looking at in 2019, even 2020 is LaMelo ball. Um, you know, the point guard right. from Chino Hills, US, UCLA, of course, Lonzo ball's little brother. <laughs> um, but they are some, some nice young talents, um, that are pretty good, um, I just think it's time for them to get what they can, kind of do it like a, this season, use it as the last hurrah and last scramble here of sorts 
to try to get a bunch of assets and try to get a bunch of uh, <clears throat> players and stuff, try to get, see what they can get for maybe some of these veterans. For example, like I said earlier, Trevor Booker, I think that's a guy everybody should look out for as a potential trade um, trade trade victim or whatever, even maybe even Jeremy Lin. I know he's really favored in the organization and they really like, like, like him there. Um, but you know, if you're looking at Brooklyn's future, the yeah. money tied up in their backcourt, D'Angelo Russell's a restricted free agent next summer. Um, even Karis Levert's coming up or he's not coming up, but he's a, he's a, you know, a backcourt player. They have other guys that they really like. Kilpatrick. I think Kilpatrick's really good. Um, Dinwiddie, I believe they still have Dinwiddie on the roster. Yeah, yes. Dinwiddie's pretty solid. Um, and Isaiah Whitehead, I know they really liked him when they drafted him in the second round. So they kind of have a surplus of um, backcourt guys. I know nobody's and you know back there kind of sticking out and being an all-star, but they still have a lot of talent back there. Um, and now Alan Crabb, too, he's going to play that 2-3 um, wingman there, and he's tied in with a bunch of money until 2019. So I think the, the the direction they need to go is they need to start doing, I think, in my personal opinion, is taking that Philadelphia route and take all these guys, take all these quote-unquote assets and just trade them for whatever the hell you can get. Um, like I said, teams will get desperate, especially around the yeah. trade deadline, especially if somebody gets hurt. You know, Trevor Booker is a really, really good player. He's a solid rebounder. Um, he's good at... He's a pretty decent defender. Um, he's a, he's just a good veteran big man. You know, he's a serviceable bit serviceable serviceable big. I I don't know. I messed that word up, but mm-hmm. um, he's good. Jeremy Lin's really good pick and roll point guard. Um, his contract's up. He, like I said, he can do a um, player option after next season. They have some veteran guys here that they can really try to shop around and see what they can get back asset wise. Um, maybe Damari Carroll starts to sh- show a little bit here, and some teams are like, all right, screw it, we're going to take the last year and a half on his contract and see what we can do with him. Um, I think they need to just start selling off these prospects or the, these um, these talents and see what they can get because you know the 28, 2018 draft they're already gone, but the twenty nineteen draft. Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Bull Bull. Those are like top guys. Those are some really good guys. And also Trey Jones, um, Tyus Jones' little brother. These are some really good talents. These are some really good prospects that everybody's really looking at for the 2019 draft. And I think if they want to kind of get in there somehow and keep their pick um, and maybe even look at a guy later on in the draft, Sharif O'Neal, Shaq's son, um, you know, try to get some of these younger guys – Try to get some of them in with these already established young talents that they have now. I think the, the 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 possibilities are endless for Brooklyn as long as they know how to do it properly. And I think Sean Marks is smart, and I think he yeah. knows how he's going to do this. And I think he's really methodical, really slow in his pace. He has that San Antonio Spurs lineage and background, and and some of these some of these deals coming up, you know. Don't be surprised if he gets back an asset. He gets back a couple second-round picks and flips it for a first-round pick and then takes a couple first-round picks, flips it for a better first-round pick. You know, because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want some of these veterans, like I said, and and you never know what's going to happen, injuries or or whatever. Something's going to break. Something's going to go wrong. A team's going to start underperforming. Another one's going to start overperforming. You never know. So yeah. I think their their direction is going to be, you know, they need to give a call to Sam Hinkie and see what uh, see what they can start doing. Right, I'm I'm with you. Um, I I agree for for reasons I stated earlier that the whole taking on bad contracts. I think this is the last year you want to do it. 
because, yeah. like you said, you do have a lot of um, guys coming off the books, guys who they could either, one, flip, or two, use as potential long-term pieces that they want to keep. So I think this is the last year to uh, acquire bad contracts, if you will. Um, but then There's after, no way you can continue to do this. Yeah. The only reason why they took Mozgov is because, if you think about it, D'Angelo Russell is basically a first-round pick, so they, right. they have to cut it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They they had to they had to get that trade. I I like that trade a lot for them. Um, so yeah, I know the Philly route is not easy, but I think Brooklyn should take a lot of flyer guys like Philly did, taking the guys like Jakari Sampson, Robert Covington, guys that were just kind of fringe players or just just um just taking flyers on guys who who maybe perform well in the D League or Summer League or yeah you know there's and, always those guys and and try to find those diamonds <clears throat> in the roughs that you can either keep and develop which um which the coach I'm forgetting his name Kenny Atkinson Kenny right? Atkinson yep yeah Atkinson um is really known for um for being a great talent developer so that's a huge plus so I would I would definitely go that route take flyers on guys and trade off some veterans like Booker, like Lynn at the deadline, um, see what kind of assets you can get, hope that they build their value throughout the season and uh, flip them, and then start to decide what prospects you want to keep and what prospects you want to flip. And so that way, um, that way you can kind of, kind of have this revolving door of roster pieces and this interchangeable roster pieces. But, you know, again, if you find a diamond in the rough player, um, that can really, really change things fast. So... Um, I think that Brooklyn should should definitely go that route, go the Philly route, um, look to build through the draft and through just taking flyers on guys. I I think that's really proven to be the best way to develop when you're when you're in the kind of situation Brooklyn or Philadelphia is in. So um, with that being said, let's jump back to this season now, um, and then we'll and then we'll get into the over under, move on to the next team. Um, pick a prospect on this team outside of Russell you're most interested in. So Kilpatrick, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Ronde, Ronde Hollis Jefferson, Isaiah Whitehead. Um, what do you think of any of these players? Any of them stick out to you as long-term potential? Who are you looking forward to seeing? Who, who do you have the most questions about? What are, what are your thoughts on these on this group of prospects Brooklyn has? Uh, I really, really love Karis LeVert. Um, he's one of my favorite <coughs> young talents. Um, in the last year's draft, not this past year, but uh, 2016, you know, he's he's a guy who, before his foot injury, before he got injured when he was at Michigan, and I'm a Michigan fan, uh, college sports fan from Michigan. Um, he's a guy who's really just he's really good, he's a really good playmaker, and you know, he was ranked as a top five, I believe, a top ten recruit, uh, top ten prospect or whatever before his injury um and he fell down to 22 or something like that wherever they drafted him um thanks to the trade with the Indiana Pacers with Thaddeus Young and I think Karis LeVert is you know his nickname so so to speak some say he's baby Durant um you know he's gonna have to improve his three-point shooting a little bit but he's a big guy he's a strong guy he's he's able to drive to the rim make some plays um you know get to the free throw line if if need be I think he's a really good talent, and I think this year is going to be really important for him, whether that's him being a six-man or even playing um, as a starter, whether that's alongside D'Angelo and, and Lynn or um, you know, maybe as, as the three-man and, and coming off the bench or 
having Crab come off the bench for him. Um, I think Levert's going to be very important for Brooklyn, and I think he's one guy similar to kind of what they saw a couple years ago with Chris McCullough. If you remember Chris McCullough, who came out of Syracuse, right. they had a lot of hopes for him, and he kind of didn't pan out. He wasn't really developing um, as much as they'd like, and now I believe he's out of the league right now. But, um, you know, they took a shot with him, and they had to take a shot because they had no talent at that time. Um, but, yeah, Karis LeVert is somebody I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing play this year. Like I said, you know, he's he's going to be a – he's going to have some chances to play and, and develop and, and run the show maybe a little bit while some of these guys hit the bench or play off the ball. Um, and Kenny Atkinson's offense will allow him to do that. Um, he's going to have to improve his three-point shooting tremendously if he really wants to take that next step. I believe his three-point shooting is going to have to be what is uh, the next step for him defensively too. But, you know, this offensive side is going to be three-point shooting and defense overall. Um, he, he's six seven. He can play guard, forward, whatever you need him to do. So I really like Karis LeVert. And then Jared Allen, of course, their rookie, the guy they drafted out of Texas. You know, he's a big man, man in the middle. Um, you know, if they can have a potential three-headed monster there with Allen, Levert, and uh, D'Angelo Russell going forward, I think that's going to be something that Brooklyn can really hang their hat on and not really have to sit back and say, hey, we need to get a top 10 pick in the draft. Um, where they can be like, all right, cool, now we have this three-headed monster kind of similar, and I'm sure we'll get into it with Philly, where they have um, Fultz, Simmons, Embiid, and even, you know, Sark a little bit there. Yeah. Now they can say, all right, screw it. We have our three young guys. Let's start bringing in these vets. Let's start bringing in these older guys that can help these young guys develop. And let's start trying to push towards the playoffs and winning basketball. Um, I think those two guys, in particular, Karis LeVert, because it, it is his second year in the league, um, you know, his improvement is going to be, I think it's going to be really pivotal to how Brooklyn progresses with their young talent. Um, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, I think. Uh, I, I think he's getting he's as good as he's going to get, but he's still a pretty good basketball player. He's not going to shoot. He's not going to hit the three. <laughs> he's going to be a really, really good defender. He's going to be kind of like a Tony Allen type, really athletic um, shooter. He's long. He can play. He can defend really well. He's a really good defender. But if you know, I think he's really as good as he's gonna get right now, and that's fine. You know, if he's if he's that fourth guy where he's just kind of really a good defender and really, really good at, at what he does in his role, then that's fine as long as the other guys start to pan out. But number one for me has to be Karis LeVert. Well, I allowed I allowed the Michigan I allowed the Michigan propaganda to stay on my podcast. <laughs> you know, I'm currently recording this podcast at the University of Michigan State. Go green. Um, oh, man. But yeah, you know, you you're really selling me on Karis LeVert. See I didn't watch I love his game. I didn't watch much Brooklyn last year, so I'm going to admit my perhaps ignorance, but I'm I'm pretty interested in Kilpatrick and Hollis Jefferson. Um, those seem to get the most headlines. They had some eye-popping numbers. Um, Kilpatrick, I'm very interested in to see what kind of what kind of player he can develop into and how consistent can he be. Hollis Jefferson again has those physical tools, but can he ever piece the other things together? Like you said. I think from what I've seen from him, I think I think you're right. I think we're we're seeing kind of near his peak. He can he can develop on the defensive end a little and become even better defensively and become maybe an ace. I think that's really what his calling card is going to be, like you said. But um, if he can ever figure things out on the offensive end, he could he could really develop into something or just even improve marginally on offense. That could be that could be a huge help. Um, so I. 
I'm I'm interested in those guys. Um, I now got my eye on Karis Levert, like you said, um, for for the reasons you said. Isaiah Whitehead is another guy who I've been pretty interested in too. I like him so too. They have they have some nice bench pieces. Um, and so we'll see we'll see if these are guys that they decide to keep or to flip. Um, so that's gonna be that's gonna be the other question for this team going forward is when or if they um, decide to flip these uh, flip some of these young guys into other draft picks um, other other um, like they I could totally see them flipping Whitehead as much as they like him uh, now if they believe that D'Angelo Russell is going to be something special or of course you know gotta gotta get all those assets again so um, the over under is at twenty eight point five so that would suggest a nine win improvement um, if they go over. Um, I don't know about you, but I just don't see. I just don't see what this team added to improve by nine wins. I know Jeremy Lin. Um, I like Jeremy Lin a lot. I think he. I think he could have been a really good player for them last year. Um, had he stayed healthy, uh, Russell and Crab are upgrades. Um, I'm not a fan of Crab's contract, but he is an upgrade talent wise. Um, and, and Damari Carroll, like you said, maybe he could recapture some of that magic, but. I doubt those I doubt those guys combined to add nine wins and not to mention the loss of Brook Lopez, the all time GOAT for the Brooklyn Nets, pretty much. Um <laughs> Nets if you're legend. just counting if you're just counting the Brooklyn years, he's gotta be the GOAT for them. Um so oh, yeah. I'm feeling like I'm feeling like twenty six wins area around there for, for Brooklyn. Um how do you feel about this over under? Yeah, I mean that what did you say it was right now? It's twenty eight and a half. Yeah. Twenty nine and a half, twenty and a half. Yeah, I think around there, like you know, like you said, 26, 27, 28, anywhere from 26 to 32. I think 32 is pushing it because then now yeah. you're, especially in the Eastern Conference, you're really talking about possible playoff team. Yeah, you're um, talking You're talking uh, 10th or 9th seed if, yeah. if you're talking 32. Um, for sure, yeah, especially in the East this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think they should aim for 30 wins. 30, 30 wins should be what they get. I think, you know, 20 wins was bad. Um, but they also yeah. had a bad crop of talent there last year. And they year. don't you have know, their they got pick, rid of, so they yeah they have, they have no, no incentive to lose. Yeah, no so, incentive to lose. And, and it's a pick that's gonna you know why would they? And and if you're Brooklyn, you want especially as management. <laughs> not even that. It's just that Cleveland has the pick, and and you want to if Cleveland's gearing up for post LeBron, yeah. why would you want to help them? Yeah. Gear up for post LeBron. They just had four or five years of success. Went to the NBA Finals. Won the NBA Finals. Why would you want to lose and be like, all right, cool, yeah, we're just gonna help them get Marvin Bagley? Like, screw that. Win and and get and help that pick get worse and worse and worse. So it's ten, eleven, twelve, whatever. And then they start looking at themselves and they're like, oh crap, now we're gonna have to flip this for something or or even keep it and draft a guy we don't you know view as a as a talent that we want. I think Brooklyn you know, is going to be able to, you know, scratch that 30 wins. I, I would t- I would target it 30 wins if I'm doing over-unders. I'll say over, and I'll say 30 is a nice number for them. Mm, you're pretty optimistic on these prospects. So um, I love them. I love Brooklyn's young guys. I don't know why. They're my favorite <laughs> in the whole division. Well, let's jump to the other team we were talking about a lot. Um, next is Philadelphia. They finished 28-54 and 54 last year. Um, so again, they had, they had a not, not too interesting off season. They did kind of, um, they did kind of what I expected. I did expect them to go out and give that. So they signed JJ Reddick to a one year, I think like $23 million contract. And Amir yeah. was, I think one year, 
14 million or 16? 11. Oh, 11? Okay. Yeah, not um, bad at all. Yeah, so not bad at all. Amir Johnson, man, he's the king of these one-year outrageous deals. Oh my god, he just he's he's he's, he's racking up. Trevor Booker, if you want Trevor Bo- like Trevor Booker, Amir Johnson, they're like the same player. <laughs> um, so they still have they still have Okafor, which is awkward because I totally forgot they had him going into the um going into the season preview. I totally forgot about uh Okafor even existing. A guy I was really high on coming into the league. Um. But yeah, they got they still got of course uh, Joel Embiid, Jared Bayless, Justin Anderson, Dario Saric, Ben Simmons. They got Nick, uh, or they keep Nick Stauskas. Um, they got Markel Fultz. Um, they they keep Robert Covington, Richard Holmes, uh, T.J. McConnell. So they have they have a a nice collection of young players. So the question I really want to get to um, to start off the Philly talk is. Uh, how good is this team? Is this a playoff team, or is this the the new 2016 Minnesota? Um, and does Philly even want to be a playoff team? Like, what are your thoughts on on Philly? 2016. That'd be interesting. Uh, I think I think they they have to be a playoff team because at this point, if they're bad, what do they do? Because if they're a uh, top, say they're they, say they're like where Minnesota was last year in seventh in the draft, um, you know five six seven range, they yeah. can't draft another young guy. They just can't. <clears throat> they don't have roster nowhere, space. They yeah, there's so nowhere for them to play. To develop. Yeah, there's nowhere for them to play. Listen, they have Marco Fultz to be the point guard. Ben's point guard, quote unquote. Ben Simmons will be the ball handling forward. Joel Embiid will be the big man in the middle. Then they have Okafor, who who knows what's going to happen with him. He was yeah. traded and then not traded so many times. Who knows? He's going to be um, a, a restricted free agent after next season. I wouldn't be surprised if they just pull the um, qualifying offer on him and just let him hit the free agency market, to be completely honest with you. Um, and, and they just don't – like who can they – I mean if they draft a guy who can shoot, sure. I, I guess like that's that'll be cool, but you're not going to tank your whole season just to get a guy who can, you know, play alongside Marco Fultz and Ben Simmons. Like that's pointless. Right. Um, I think Philly's a playoff team. I don't think I don't think there's a um, outside of an injury to Embiid where he goes down for a long period of time. You know, he'll probably take a couple games off here and there, of course. Um, but outside, you know, if he's shut down or if he's done for half the season. I think that could be the only thing that sidelines them. Same thing with Simmons or Fultz, any of their important guys. But um, you know, if he's if he's get if one of those guys gets shut down, then you're talking you know lottery team. But if everybody stays healthy and Bede plays fifty to sixty games, um, I think they're a six through eight seed there um, with potential to climb up to as high as four. Wow. I just like their team. I really like their team a lot. It just depends on how they gel and work together. These are a lot of young guys, and it's really hard um, to assess a young team because young teams don't win. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and last year, Tom Tom Thibodeau, one of the best coaches in the league, had Carl Towns, Wiggins, Levine, and uh, uh, Chris Dunn, and, and all those young guys that they had on the team, and, and they didn't do anything with it, and, and they were a lottery team. Young young guys don't win. Young teams don't win. It's just weird that their their roster fits so well. I just like how everything fits, you know, because Markel Fultz isn't a great shooter. He's a pretty good shooter. Ben Simmons is not a good shooter. And then they get J.J. Redick. 
Um, Embiid is a good inside presence, but they don't have really anybody else. Sarek isn't really great on the interior as far as rebounding and stuff. Then they get Amir Johnson, who's a pretty solid rebounder and, and a mid-range shooter. Robert Covington on the wing, shooting 3 and D. Rashawn Holmes providing energy. He's, he's a really good high-energy forward, kind of similar to what they had in Jeremy Grant. Um, and then, of course, TJ McConnell is a backup point guard. He was their starting point guard last year. Now yeah. he's going to be fighting with Stauskas for that backup point guard role. Their roster is really good. I like how it's constructed. I really like their rotation. Yeah, and Bayless, um, right? They still have Bayless. I yeah, think. they still yeah. have Jared Bayless. Yeah, I, I mean, he'll probably take. He'll probably start off or, or run the reins when some of the young guys are in a, you know, in their ebbs and flows as young yeah. guys tend to do. Um, but yeah, they have veterans in the right places. They have young guys in the right places. I just think it's a, it's a playoff team. I, I would put their ceiling. I would put their realistic ceiling at six. If they reached four in the top four in the East, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. But I'll put their ceiling as six, um, six through eight, and I think they'll be a playoff team. I don't. It's it, the thing is, is that like I said, like young teams don't win, and that really concerns me. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they still have some potential trades there with Okafor, even Stauskas. Um, Dario Saric is an interesting player. Maybe some team might want to try to poach him. You know, if he's riding the bench as a six man, Justin Anderson, Robert Covington is going to be an unrestricted free agent. They have young guys there that you know some teams might be interested in. So I don't, I don't think they're going to make any big moves. But I wouldn't be surprised if they made a big move because they do have some talent there. Um, but yeah, I think, I think playoffs is is where Philly's going to head. That's. That's interesting. Um, so to me, when I'm looking at this team, this might be a playoff team. Best case scenario, I'm going seven or eight for this team. Yeah. Um, to me, I'm seeing the likely outcome as nine to eleven range in the conference, and you know, I get that the East is bad, but still, looking at the teams above it, I just I would give them the benefit of doubt. Like you said, a lot of youth, and um, to me, this just seems like 2016 Minnesota, and I think I think you'll really see that when we jump to the uh, to the line on them. Um, as far as what Vegas has them at. But, I mean, I'm expecting a starting lineup, and correct me if I'm wrong, of Fultz, J.J., Redick, and then at the three, either Covington slash Simmons, and at the four, either Simmons slash Dario, and then Embiid at the center. To me, only two of those players are good defenders in Embiid and Covington. Uh, two others are rookies who will make plenty of mistakes in um, in Fultz and, and Simmons. Um, and then J.J., is JJ will bust his ass, but he won't be anything above average as a defender. Um, so, and that's even if you get the full effort, JJ. Uh, this could be that just I'm gonna collect my check, JJ Reddick. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I just don't know. Um, I do like that they got uh, that they got Amir Johnson as a nice backup big who can play the five for them um, when they don't want to when they don't want to just totally give up on defense and put Okafor in. Um, so. Yeah, I just, I, I get what you're saying. Like, on paper, I like a lot of these pieces if they performed what they're supposed to perform to. And and you're right. This team actually is, I, I don't think this team is looked at as deep as they as they really are in terms of talent. Like, Jared Bayless is not a bad guy to have. And, and TJ McConnell is not a bad guy to have. One of those guys is going to be a third-string point guard, and that's a pretty good third-string point guard to have. Um so, you know, they got some depth, and, and they got some players who can switch around. I like Holmes a lot as an energy big, um, like you said. Uh, again, I like Amir Johnson, uh, Jahil Okafor. I'm seeing if, you know, 
maybe they can, you know, he can be a Greg Monroe type that can just with with good talent so. around him, with good talent around him, anchor a second unit and just be like and just get you some points when you need some buckets. Um, so, you know, I just I don't know. I just I don't see this team. I see this team as too young. I see this as too soon. I see Vegas when we get to numbers. I see them as as a team that's just projected to have too much internal improvement, and I'm very skeptical of that because internal improvement is the hardest thing to measure in the NBA. Um, it's it's really one of the hardest things to measure is to project how good a player will be when. Um, so that that's a really hard thing to do. But uh, you talked about it earlier, the core. The core of the feds, as they're called, which is Fultz, Embiid, Dario Saric. I love that name, by the way, and Simmons. Um, how do you think this core fits in the long run? I think it's a really nice balance um, of talent outside of being able to shoot, even though Embiid has the ability to shoot threes. And so um, but Yeah, Saric too, but they're not going to be, you know, Stephen Curry, you know, 10 threes a game or anything. Right. Um, I, I do like it. I, I, your concerns, as you said, defensively, um, Fultz is a capable defender. Simmons is a capable defender. Embiid's capable in the interior. I'm not too and sure about good. Sarge. And Bede might be the best center when healthy. I know that's a hot take. But, no, it's, it's, but that's very he's reasonable. He's really good. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he can stretch the floor. He can pass. He can drive the ball. It's really crazy how good his handle is for being yeah. damn near seven feet. Um, he's really good. and He's strong. He's big. Um, I love their core. It's just, you know, how are they going to develop? Um, egos also is always a thing. You know, you get right. all these young guys and this young core. I mean, Jesus Christ, Tracy McGrady wanted to leave Toronto when his cousin was on the damn team with him. So you never <laughs> know what was young guys. And yeah. One of the best players in the league. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those two together for a decade could have been killer, but you know, right. he wanted to get his own team. So you never know what it is sometimes with these young guys and, and what they think about, oh, maybe it's my time to run the show. Uh, maybe this guy, especially Dario Saric with international connections, talking to a bunch of international dudes, maybe they want to go to this team or that team or you never know what happens with money and contracts and injuries. But as it stands right now, I really do like their core. I think their core four is better than Minnesota's um, even last year. Um I just really like what they have there. I think Simmons Simmons as the point guard running the show with his dynamic passing. You know, everybody's talking about Lonzo Ball this summer and how good he is as a passer. And Lonzo is a fantastic passer. But Ben Simmons' court vision is really spectacular. And I, and, I, and I remember watching stuff on him where he's needling these bounce passes in between, like, legs and arms and, and just finding the perfect timing more than anything. And not just location, yeah. but... That he knows if he throws it, they're going to step out and miss, and it's going to get to his man. Simmons is a really good passer. Really good. Markel Fultz is going to be an interesting prospect to see where he develops as a player. Is he going to be that kind of wingman, guard, Clay Thompson type, where he's just you know a long wingman out there shooting a little bit, maybe driving to the rim? Um, or is he going to be a, a, a point guard, combo guard type, um, where he runs kind of pick and rolls, maybe shoots a little bit? Um, controls the offense. His development, I think, is going to be the most important development of all the four guys because you kind of know where the other three lay as far as their career trajectory. Um, I think Marco Fultz is going to be the guy that we need to see which way he's going to go. You know what I mean? Um, And and depending on where he goes, if Marco Fultz can be a knockdown three-point shooter, maybe not 40% type stuff, but, you know, 
30%. Um, not 30%, that'd be... 34, 35. 34, yeah, sorry, 30, 35, 36. NBA, you know, average um, three-point shooter, I think that could be really beneficial to that core four. And yeah. if they want to stick together and keep doing this thing, I think it would be really beneficial for them. And they're not... None of the four guys outside of Embiid are really commanding and dominant personalities. Yeah, um, but Embiid's not that kind of dominant personality. Not yeah, like he's not... an ego, it's a fun thing. He, yeah, he's not an asshole. He's not an asshole, basically. Yeah. You know, he's not. He, yeah, as it seems right now, he's not an asshole. He's not going to be that kind of guy to his players, to his teammates. Um, Simmons is really, really quiet. Sark is pretty quiet. Fultz is really quiet. Um, so I think I think it's going to work well for them. I really do. I really like it. I just want to see the development of Marco Fultz, and I want to see maybe if egos collide. I don't think they will, but you never know. Yeah. So. The pros and cons to me uh, when it comes down to this core is um, the pros is you have you have versatile you have versatility you have a lot of versatility. Fultz can guard the he can even switch onto a three. He's got a six ten wingspan, so he's very versatile. Um, and he looks like he has the tools to be a very good defender if he can um, if he dedicates himself and locks into it. Um, and be like we said maybe already the best center when healthy. I mean, he's just spectacular. Um, a great defender. A very underrated aspect of his game last year was his was his rim protection, which is a huge thing to see from a, essentially a rookie to be able to protect the rim as well as he did when he played. Um, so, again, Simmons is a versatile guy. He's long. And Dario Sarch is a guy who, if he switches on to a five, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, um, they're not Okafor. They're not a Steve yeah. on defense. And if Okafor, oh my goodness, if Okafor develops into even Greg Monroe, yeah. they will be set and they will have a nice five-man unit where they can kind of now play with these assets and say, all right, what can we do? Are Simmons, or Simmons, or is Okafor and Sarek kind of really similar? Um, you know, maybe they can sell high on Okafor before he kind of regresses. Right. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with these young talents. I agree. Especially if they want to keep winning. Because the only way you keep winning, like like I said and like you said too, these young teams don't win. So if they want to sell some of these younger guys and get a veteran presence or even a veteran player who you never know who's going to be on the trade market. Yeah. Um, you know, some of these young guys, if they develop properly, you, you offer them up and you get somebody in that can really help your team towards the playoffs and beyond. Yeah. And, and I like you said, the, the ego thing is huge, too. I think that's another pro is that at this point, it doesn't seem like it's something that could be a problem. Now, we, we all know, you know, it, things change when you get in the limelight. But the cons to me are um, really the shooting, uh, with the shooting, which I know overall, if you take that core as a uh, core four overall is not bad. Fultz is an okay shooter. Dario Sarge is pretty good. And Embiid is pretty is pretty damn good as well. And Simmons for just a center, hell doesn't yeah. Have, yeah, and just Simmons just doesn't have a lot of shot, uh, no. a nice shot at this point. But um, the other thing that really concerns me is Fultz and Simmons together because I I feel like both of those players are at their best when they have the ball, and I yep. don't know how good they are when they don't have the ball. I don't know how good of off ball players they are. So that's, thing- that's my that's my concern. Yeah, and that's where I was kind of leading toward. It's, is I think I think Fultz needs to be that guy that needs to start leaning towards being an off-ball player more than Simmons, just because Fultz at least has a decent jump shot already, 
And you can't ask Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is starting. Basically, if you're looking at it, Ben Simmons is starting at zero, and you're asking him to get to 50. Where yeah. Marco Fultz is at 35, 40, and you're asking him, all right, let's get you to 50. You know what I right. mean? Let's get you up a little bit. Ben Simmons is a bad shooter. Yeah. So you're not doing anything crazy there when you get Ben Simmons, you know, the ball in his hands. You know, he's doing a pick and roll. He's driving. He might shoot an open three, but the chances of it going in are um, not great. So it's going to really depend on who, which one of those guys develops into that off-ball player. And I think it has to be Marco Fultz, um, especially if they want to succeed with this core four young studs that they have. I agree, but I think this. I think well, it's not a homogenous fit. I believe that together, uh, over time, I think that with their potential and what they end up, what they're projected to be right now, I think once they once they develop into that, they can fit um, Odo better because I Agreed. think that I think that these players can learn who needs to develop what and when they when they become what they're projected to be, if they become what they're projected to be, I think that that, that end result is a nice pairing. And could be a real nice team for Philly going forward. But um, right now, let's go back to this season. So the over/under is at forty-two and a half. Like I said, a very high projection. Um, you're talking like six. You're talking six seed basically at that with with the Eastern Conference. Um, you're, you're talking six seven range in the East at least. Um, so I'm going way under, and I'm confident on this. Um, I think this is the 2016 Timberwolves all over again. Like I said, Vegas is counting on too much internal improvement um and Embiid is great and I love his talent but I think even and this might be a a very hot take um and so I'm interested to see what you hear about this but even if he were to in a perfect world play all 82 games I still don't think this team wins 43 games let alone 45 or whatever they they need to be a top four seed um but I'm projecting a, I'm projecting him to play around 45, 50 games this year. Um, I'm hoping I'm wrong because I like Embiid and I think he's a tremendous talent. Like like I said earlier, but um, you know, adding Redick maybe that adds two wins to a team, uh, a team that went that went 28 and 54 last year to improve to 43 wins. That's a huge jump, especially when when your core is so young. And I get that you have veterans around them, but you are going to give the, these rookies the benefit of the doubt. They are going to get more minutes than, than the veterans just because they, they want these guys to develop. Because even though they want to make the playoffs this year, they also, want, they also know who, who lies in their future. You know? So I'm, I'm going way under. I think this team is too young um, and way too filled with question marks. So I'm going with 36 wins around there wow 36 what what was there over under again 40 42 and a half 42 and a half so 43 man yeah i i I, I like mm, that's a lot that's a lot to jump yeah that's (laughs) That's a a lot to jump jump. um i yeah you know what i i'd like it i like i like 43 I like where they're at. I like that number. I think it's. I think it's good for them. Young teams don't win, but they, you know, get them over five hundred. That would be great. Um, you know, in yeah. that range from forty one um, to forty three, over five hundred. That's a playoff team in the East. You know, thirty five wins and above is a playoff team in the East. Yeah. So you know, even I, forty, I, I think, is a playoff team in the East. Yeah, I, I think that's a good range. I think they'll be okay. So I'll re, I'll reword this. I think they're under, but only by a couple. Um, 
by by a couple wins, a couple so games you're, there. So you're projecting around the forty to forty three range. Yeah, I'll, I'll do forty to forty two around there, about okay. five hundred. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not mad at that. I see that as a best case scenario personally. Um, I just, I think part of it too is that last year I bought into Minnesota, so I don't want to do it again. Um, so I think that's, that might be part of the stigma behind my, behind my thinking and behind my pest, pest, or what am I, why am I trying to say this? <laughs> why am I trying to say it bad, but my <laughs> pessimistic view. Um, so let's, let's jump to the New York Knicks though. Um, your team that you cover. So, uh, again, New York had a, um, an interesting off season. They got, they got, um, they got what was a controversial pick, and um, and Frank. How do you say his last name again? Frank Nilakina. So it's Nilakina. it's knee knee Lee Kina. Knee Kina. Your knee, Lee Kina. Knee Lee Kina. Thank you for that. Um, so yeah, the T is silent. Yeah. So they um they acquire him over De'Aaron Fox, which some people thought about De'Aaron Fox. I don't know. I I think that Frank Nilakina is going to be a good player when he develops. Um, so I'm I'm on board with that pick, but um. They signed Tim Hardaway Jr. to a ridiculously expensive contract. Was it four years, eighty million? Uh, right. Uh, four years. I think it was seventy six, seventy two around there. Okay, I'm gonna, it's a I'm lot. gonna look that up while you talk. It's a lot but, um, more. But I'm I'm gonna toss it to you, and I'll look up that contract when you talk. But um, let's let's talk. Let's jump into Mello. So um, you know, there were rumors about um about recently the Knicks acquiring about Jabari although those didn't seem to be substantial. So it really seems to still be in a holdout between the Rockets and it. I mean, what's the latest you're hearing with this, um, with this mellow trade talk? Oh man. Um, so yeah, so Hardaway's four years, 70.95 is the number Oof. officially. So yeah, four years, 72, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, the latest I'm hearing, I'm not hearing anything really crazy. Um, I, I just recently saw the Ian Begley report where Begley was saying that the Rockets don't have anything that the Knicks are interested in, um, which is reasonable right? Um, given the new regime here in New York. Um, that's great. That means they're not buying, biting on Ryan Anderson. Um, they're probably not even buying, biting on Eric Gordon. Um, so I think that's great for the Knicks to kind of stand their ground and say, look, you don't want to budge. We're not going to budge. And they don't mind having Carmelo Anthony on board. He'll still sell tickets. He's still a New York fan favorite and he still has one more year to play. Um, and then he can, if he wants to, he can opt in for that last $27 million, um, player option that he has in 2018, 19, and he'll be with the New York one more year. That's not ideal for Melo. I don't think he wants to do that, but I do think he does want that money. And, you know, would I be surprised if he's not traded and he ends up opting out of his contract? Sure, but, I, you know, at age 33, he's going to be 35 by 2019 comes around. He's not going to make $27, 28000000 million anywhere else. He'll be lucky if he makes $8 million somewhere else. Um, just because of age and how players progress once they hit that 32, especially a player of his caliber, scoring mentality, scoring first type of player, um, you know, those guys dramatically decline eventually after they hit a plateau. Um, Melo hasn't been that spectacular, I guess you could say, over the last couple of years. Um, but I think the thing that the Knicks and the Jabari Parker thing is fantastic because the Knicks are starting to think like the Nets in, in the sense that, they're looking at their team and they're saying, all right, we have picks. Well, they have picks. It's a little different situation. 
but their backs against are against the wall and they have no other options but to kind of sell. Mm-hmm. And if they want to sell Melo and bring in a guy like Jabari Parker, who's had some injury, pretty serious injuries, two te- two ACL tears, I believe, in the last two years, two seasons, yeah. um, that's really serious. But if you can flip a guy in Carmelo who's obviously not happy with the team, not happy with his current situation, not happy with how things were in the past regime, and he's not interested in speaking with anybody now. I mean, those reports came out that he wasn't talking to anybody even with the uh, new guys that came in, Scott Perry, and um, when they had, um, what's his name? Oh, my God, Steve Mills. Steve Mills promoted to president. He, Carmelo wasn't talking to anybody, so he's not happy. So right now the Knicks are saying, of the Knicks, it's really a, me- a grand old Mexican standoff at this point. It's, all right, Carmelo, you have your list. It's Houston and then, you know, a hint of Cleveland. Um, probably would be a little bit easier now that um, the – Kyrie Irving's off the books. A little money got let go um, in the deal. But, uh, you know, you have your list, and and those teams aren't giving us what we want. So we have a new list. And, you know, if you don't want to concede to the new list, then that's fine. We'll just sit sit here, and you'll continue to be the uh, scoring first guy and and continue to be the guy that we want on the team. I just think it's going to reach a boiling point here in the next couple weeks. Um just for the simple fact that one, the Knicks have already released a bunch of promotional material, um, much to to what um, was said in that piece by, uh, um, oh my goodness, what's his name from from ESPN? Uh, who are you thinking <laughs> I forget of? Uh, the writer. Right. I forget his name right now. I'm drawing a blank too. Oh, Frank Isola. Wow. Oh yes, Frank Isola. Yeah. Um, no, not Frank Isola. Um, yeah, he doesn't write for ESPN anymore, right? No, no it's uh, oh my goodness, he used uh, this to is really ESPN. embarrassing. Um, I forget his name right now, but ESPN. much like the piece that was um, are you talking written, about Mike Breen, the broadcaster? Or no, 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 okay. no, no, no. Um, he's a beat writer for the Knicks. Oh, okay. um, I'm forgetting his name right now, but um, much like he wrote in his piece recently, um, the Knicks have sent out promotional material without Carmelo Anthony on it. Carmelo's nowhere to be found in these promotional materials. There's Chris Tapps, there's Frank Nilakina, even Willie Hernan Gomez. Mm-hmm. There's they are all on the promotional material. Carmelo's nowhere to be found. Um, Steve Mills did release a press release recently saying, you know, we're looking for the future. We're looking to see what's next for the team. This, that, and the third. Um, and I think it's time for them to kind of sell on this before. Um, that day comes for the media day. Um, I believe the media day is the 26th. I think the email just came across. Yeah, September 25th, and then their their training camp opens the 26th. I think it's time for the Knicks to time for the Knicks to do something here, you know. And it's time for the Knicks to try to try and um, Ian Begley. That's the reporter's name. I forgot. Oh, wow, wow, big brain how fart. We, how do we not um, remember that? The legend. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's time for the Knicks to sell, and I think it's time for the Knicks to take whatever they can get for Carmelo. Um, they're, I mean, not whatever they can get because they're not going to take back Ryan Anderson's contract. That's ridiculous. That three years, sixty million dollars. That's just that's even worse than than Joe Kim Noah contract, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I think Carmelo Anthony. I think that's you know it's been the story of the the summer and the last couple months. Really, I think it's been the story of the of the year. Um, if you think back way back to the trade deadline and, and everything that's gone along with it with Phil Jackson and, and even tying Chris Stapps in it a little bit and, and all the, all the 
you know, negative stuff that was said back and forth and, you know, Carmelo going out to different events saying this, that, and the third and the NBA PA getting involved and trying to say that Phil Jackson was a right to, you know, openly say they're trying to get rid of Carmelo. You know, this has been the story of the year yeah. of 2017 and it, and it's hopefully going to come to an end here in the next couple of weeks. I think the Knicks are kind of planning as if that is going to happen because you can't have Carmelo. I mean, Jesus Christ, if you send Carmelo to the media day, is he going to smile in any of his pictures with the jersey <laughs> on? I mean, like, it's not, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I think Carmelo's gone and I think it's going to be something where the Knicks start to get a little bit creative, which is why you saw the Bucks thing good out there and they're just like, screw it. We're going to take a guy, a young talent. He has all the upside in the world. But, you know, hey, if we can get him and, and develop him and help him, you know, rehab a little bit and, and develop him into something that maybe that could play. I mean, Jabari Parker next to Chris Tapps would be a beautiful front line there. Um, yeah. But, you know, if they could turn a, a, a asset that's, you know, worth zero basically right now in Carmelo Anthony, you know, because his contract is just so big and he's old, um, NBA old at least. You know, I think it'd be. I think it could be a, a end up being a positive for them. But you know, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do. I just think the writing's on the wall for it to come soon. But it's gonna be something that we're not expecting. It's gonna come out of left field. All right. So, um, just to just to end on the Mel stuff. Um, where where's your line of thinking right now? You think he's traded? I know last time we spoke on the podcast, you said a buyout is unlikely. Um, I've heard that start to come back up again. Um, I don't know how serious those talks were or how serious New York is considering that option. Um, it really depends on how desperate New York is to get get him out of here by training camp. Yeah. Um, but like like you said, uh, like you said, I think I think that he at least sells tickets. He's still beloved in New York despite all this. So I think that um, I think that there I think if I'm New York, I'm playing the long game and I'm saying even if you want to come to if you want to come be on the team, sit on the bench, you don't even have to play. I don't care. You're still gonna sell us tickets. Like, you know, um, so I don't know, what are you thinking? Are you thinking he's gonna get traded or slash bought out before the season? Or now you think that this is something that happens at the deadline, maybe a buyout at the deadline or something. What do you what do you think? I think Ultimately, he's going to be traded. Um, I still think a buyout's very unlikely because that's a lot of money to stretch over the next five, seven years. Um, well, it's only this year, and then he has a player option, right? So then, yeah, yeah, so <coughs> yeah then but that I would believe be a five year because it's a two plus one. You're right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. So it's yeah. It's so, yeah. the next two years, but they would have to play the the sum of his player option. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, because it's not a team option. I think that's that's basically how they're doing with like Monta Ellis in, in the Pacers right now. Yeah. Um, because he had a team option after this season, and they bought him out. Um, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be trade. I think they would. I love to do it before the season starts. Um, obviously if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen for a reason, but I think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to take the, the route and wait for December 15th, which is the deadline in which players who signed this summer can be traded, um, and see when they, what they can get for a couple teams that might regret some of their free agent signings, um, who, or might be looking to move a couple guys around, you know, a team that kind of jumps out to me. Right now, off the top of my head, is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, they might not have the bigger contracts to match up with it, but they do have somebody in Enes Cantor who makes $18 million, $17 million, and a guy like Roberson who make, 
got a new contract for nine million. Um, they still have Singler on the books for four million. McDermott on three million. I mean, if they do a package there where it's Cantor, Singler, McDermott, maybe a first round pick to the Knicks for Mello. You know, they could they could do something there where, where the money matches up a little bit and, and they get a, a first-round pick. Maybe they get McDermott out of it. They get Roberson, who is a capable wing defender. And Cantor, you know, a year of Cantor, you know, after maybe two years when he opts out, you never know what he could be alongside Chris Stops. Maybe he can continue his role as a six-man. And the, and the uh, Thunder get, you know, they get one year of Mello if he doesn't opt out, um, potentially two years if Mello and Paul George and Westbrook all stay on their current current deals. Um, so they can try to fix something there, but I think ultimately a trade's going to happen. I think by the end of the calendar year, Carmelo Anthony will be traded, um, where, um, ideally, of course he wants to go to Houston, but Houston doesn't seem to have the assets. So I think something creative is going to happen. I got a, I got a hot, um, a hot and creative, um, take for you. So. This might be a dark horse destination that I'm not hearing anybody talk about and that I'm completely pulling out of my ass right now. But what about what about Brooklyn? He doesn't have to move. Oh man. He could go there for a year. Either and that's opt his out that's his or stay. home, quote unquote, too, yeah. is Brooklyn. What do you think? They flip maybe maybe one of their young guys who they just don't believe in anymore. Like let's say D'Angelo let's say D'Angelo Russell excels. And so they don't see the need for Whitehead anymore. So they flip Whitehead and maybe like Crab or something. And then that way New York gets another prospect. They take on a bad contract, yeah, but they get rid of Melo. Man, that's interesting. Um, that's interesting. I just don't know if Brooklyn has the enough talent to do it. But I think if the Knicks are really desperate enough to just get rid of them, I think. Yeah, and Brooklyn doesn't know, own their pick this year. So, I mean, what do they got <laughs> yeah. to lose? Yeah, true. I mean, if they take a, a bunch of guys, even if it's like a Karis Levert, um, you know, Karis LeVert and, and some of the younger prospects like you were saying, or even Rondé Hollis Jefferson, yep. now that I'm thinking about it, you know, one of Trevor those Booker guys. has a nine mil salary that like yeah. that is 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 take Jeremy Lynn. Jeremy Lynn back to New York. Lynn's no, he would never well yeah. I mean if he's traded for Mello, I think that was the problem was Lyndon Mello. Right. And the Knicks could use a really good pick and roll point guard there with Chris Stops. Yeah. You're, you're talking me into it, but I don't see it, but I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if, Mello, uh, if it does happen, I'll give you I'll give you full credit as the first guy to uh, think about it. Yeah, I mean, Melo has the no trade clause. So, what do you think? The like, I think that to me that would be the biggest obstacle because I think I think Brooklyn has that's of course the biggest obstacle. Or else, I think Melo would have been gone already. Right, Melo probably would have been in it. He would probably be playing for the Hawks right now, honestly. If <laughs> if, if he didn't have that no trade clause, they would trade right. him to Atlanta for whatever multitude of trash. Um, you know, young young guys or, or trash contracts that they have. I mean, hell, they have a couple guys that they probably want to offload in Atlanta. Yeah. So, I don't know. You're hearing it here first. The Strictly Hoop Talk podcast. Mellow to Brooklyn. Dark Horse candidate. Mellow um, to Brooklyn. All right. So, let's talk Let's talk more of this season stuff. Um, so, what is the area of development? Because Kristaps is obviously the star of this team in the future of this team. What is the area of development you want to see most from Chris Stapps this season? I want I want to see him stay on the court and be healthy. I think that's the biggest thing for Chris Stapps is um, rookie year, he started off well. He started off well, ended the season kind of, you know, hurt. Um, didn't really play to end the season. Um, then last year he kind of was hurt here and there a little bit throughout the season. Um 
I just think that if Kristaps stays one stays on the floor, you know, I know you're looking at his you know basketball reference page or whatever. He missed you know maybe a multi uh, a combined twenty games or something. Um, but you know, it's not just what games he missed. It's it's his games. You know, either playing through an injury yeah. or with an injury. You know, those affect his long long term stats. He seems to be a guy that has a few nagging injuries throughout the year. Yeah, it's just some weird stuff. Whether it's an ankle. Or an Achilles tweak, or you know, a knee sprain. Just these or weird injuries. Thing. Didn't he yeah, have a his back? back. Yeah, I think it was his lower back or something. Yeah. You know, and he's a big guy. He's a young guy too. He's only twenty one, um, turning twenty two. I think. Yeah. I think him staying healthy would be, you know, his durability would be very, very um, important um, going long term. And I think all he has to do is look down the locker room and talk to Joe Kim Noah about how important health is in the NBA. Yeah. Um, you know, Joe Kim's battled some injuries himself throughout his career, especially here towards the end. And he played with Derrick Rose, you know, the the, the modern-day king of um, injury what-ifs. The modern Penny um, Hardaway. Yeah, I mean, so I think Kristaps, his durability needs to really be there. Um, of course, three-point shooting can improve. Yeah. He's, you know, 35% last year. Um, I think his aggressiveness needs to go up a little bit. And I think with a couple of distractions gone from the team – um, whether that report about him and Hornacek having an issue is true or not, I don't think it's true at all. I think Hornacek wasn't wouldn't say that about a player. Um, you know, uh, him him telling Hernan Gomez to tell Kristaps to stop playing a like a, a, a female body part. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's true, but you know that's just me. But. Uh, I think his aggressiveness, though, is a, is a thing that he does need to step up, um, especially now that he's going to be viewed as the future and kind of be taking the reins over. You know, once Melo leaves or uh, it's even as Melo is on his way out, kind of involve him more and be that number one option. Um, Frank Nielakin is not going to be the number one option. He never, probably never will be as long as he's on the Knicks. He's going to be a nice um, point guard to develop alongside Kristaps. That can be a really interesting pick and roll that they got going on there. Um, because Neil Aquino is pretty long for a point guard. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the biggest thing for Kristaps is staying healthy, staying on the court, um, kind of, and, and being a dominant force where people can say, all right, he's option one. I think a goal for him this year should be the all star team. Um, and I think in a week in the Eastern Conference where a couple guys left, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, he's um, got to be in. Yeah, he and Isaiah Thomas's injury kind of you know possibly putting him out until maybe the all star all star break. I think Kristaps has to has to be an all star this year. If he's not voted in by the fans, I think he has to put up the numbers that say, all right, he's an all star. You know, because last year he was on the fringe. Even in his rookie year, he was you know some people were like mm, he should be an all star, but you know he didn't get in. Right. But last year it was really a push there, and I think this year has to be year three. I think they have to start you know taking him a little bit more serious and saying, all right, this is going to be the guy for the team going forward. So I think um, I think more it's going to be less about what he does, you know, um, on the surface and more internally um, what's important for him and what he can do, um, especially when it comes to things like being aggressive and, and, and staying healthy on the court. I really agree with your statements uh, there regarding Kristaps. I, I think that the aggressiveness and – that the Knicks have to start to cater to him more, and he has to accept that responsibility. That's what I want to see from him. I want to see him embrace the superstar mentality. I want to see him 
Um, I want to see him. He knows he's that guy right now. And, you know, you that's clear. You can see that. Um, but he's got to he's got to show it on the court. And to me, at times, he just didn't to to me these first two years. And, you know, maybe you have a different perspective watching and covering the Knicks. But to me, he just seemed like a guy who was just playing basketball and playing it well. He didn't seem like he was trying to be the star or, you know, he didn't have that kind of, I don't know, I don't know how to call it, that intangible, that superstar intangibleness. I mean, he yeah, didn't have it, that. It factor. Yeah, that I'm it still factor, waiting yeah. for that. Yeah, I agree. Right. I'm still waiting for the it. Um, but yeah, so that's something I want to see him improve. But uh, last thing I want to do before we go to the over-under with the, with the Knicks is talk about, we've talked about team building with all these teams. So with the Knicks, they're in a different situation with bad contracts like Mello, who could be two more years. Um, Noah, Noah's contract is awful. Tim Hardaway's, like we said, is a tough one to swallow. Courtney Lee's as well. Um, what do you, what do you think is the best way for this team to build around Kristaps and a team that's capped out but not terrible? They're not bad enough to beat to beat Chicago for the for the bottom of the East, but they're not good enough to do anything in the playoffs. Like. Where do how how on earth do you do you build? They're kind of in that very tough middle ground. Yeah, they're kind of in the Brooklyn range where Brooklyn was before um, uh, um, Sean Marks took over. Right, you know they're kind of in the range where they have a couple couple bad contracts. You know how Brooklyn a couple years ago had a right. Darren Williams and a and Joe, Joe Johnson, Johnson yeah. even Brooke Lopez. You can consider as a bad contract given you know his uh, his injuries at the time. Um, even though he kind of improved towards Still the end KG there, a couple years ago, yeah, KG's bad contract. You know, the the end of that. You know, we thought we were going to be a dynasty era. <laughs> um, you know, they have a couple bad contracts. I want to see. I'm um, the jury's still out on Tim Hardaway Jr. for me. I'm willing to give him a chance. I ran in. I met him a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, he's he's a nice guy. He's he's really excited for the season. He's really excited to get going and kind of. Uh, be a, a offensive threat that the Knicks need yeah. alongside Chris Stops, especially if Carmelo's going out, they're going to need some scoring. And I think Tim Hardaway um, will be that guy who can do some of the scoring. Um, I think he kind of got a raw deal the last time he was here in New York. Yeah. Um, you like know, it's going to be interesting. Regime. Yeah. New regime. Exactly. And they really liked him when they drafted him. Um, so I think it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there going forward. I just think the big thing for um, the Knicks is going to be what they do with one. It's going to be Joe Kim Noah. You know, are they going to get to keep him on board and, and maybe kind of trade him or, or work something out where they can deal him away um, for a team? Um, or are they going to take, you know, a guy like uh, Courtney Lee and kind of do similar to what the Nets are looking to do? Um, and take his contract and kind of ship it to a team that really kind of wants with um, wants a wingman, a three and D guy there. Um, he does have a pretty big number over the next couple of years. That's the issue. Um, but some team, you never know whether it's this year or next year going forward. Yeah. It's just going to be interesting to see what they do. It, it's 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 never um, it's never it's never easy with the Knicks. Never. Um, <laughs> it's never it's never you know. Something that's going to be um, really interesting um, to a lot of people outside of New York. Yeah, um, yeah it's 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 going to be 
it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I just, I think they have a couple guys that can be really shopped. I mean, Lance Thomas is a is a is a locker room favorite, and he's really good in his role. Um, Kyle Quinn's a, a serviceable big man who's yeah, still he's pretty young. Um, and Mendalgas Kuzminskis, maybe they can sell high on him. He's 27, which is really crazy to me. I thought he was younger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they have a, they have a couple guys that you know you don't know what they're gonna do. Um, I just think their contract, their contract situation. I think Tim Hardaway Jr. I'm willing to give you a shot. I'll give you a shot. Um, Joe Kim Noah, we'll see what happens with Joe Kim. Maybe he retires before the end of his contract. Who knows? Right. Um, Joe Kim Noah is a wild card for sure. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. I mean, they have interesting guys who might they might be able to sell a team on if they're looking to get a, a big man or a wingman there, and either Lee or O'Quinn um, for the playoff stretch, and maybe get an asset or two back, maybe a couple second rounders, maybe a younger talent, um, end of the bench type of guy. We'll see though. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Uh, the big thing is Melo, of course. Once Melo's gone, then then we then we can properly assess what the Knicks do with their future. I agree. depending on what they get. I agree. Um, yeah, they are in a very tough position to build. Um, also, I'm surprised that the one player you didn't mention and New York Knicks fans are going to kill us that we didn't mention is Ron Baker, who everybody loves. Oh, yeah, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I mean, you know, Tim Hardaway is not a bad player. Like, I definitely think he's overpaid, but I still think he's a serviceable and solid player. Um, uh, to me how this team builds around Kristaps, I think really the way the way they're at with the with the lack of cap space and, and the contracts and everything that they have, I think that they really have to they really have to put all their eggs in, in Kristaps and, and um and the rookie just being a great Neil Neil Kent how do you say it again? Neely Kina. Neil so Kina. Knee, yeah, yeah. knee. No no T right. That's what's messing no. me up. Yeah, so um, between those two, though, they have to really develop into something special, I think. I think they have to put all their eggs in one basket. Um, you know, maybe they end up this year, you know, again, the same, around the same range, drafting anywhere from 10 to 6. And maybe they get, um, and maybe they can get another good player there. Um, we don't know. Again, like you said, it seems to be a very thin draft class, so that's very tough. But, um you know, to me, they just they gotta they gotta hope that there's a lot of internal improvement from the from these guys, and to me, that's the only way they're gonna build for the next two. They're really in a tough position for three more years. Once Noah and Lee come off the books and Mel will be gone, then and Tim Hardaway's entering the final year of his contract, then you're looking at a different scenario. Yeah, I think so, they're most important. And if I could, before you wrap up the right. team here, before you jump into over unders, I think the guy who has the most important season going forward is going to be um, Willie Hernan Gomez or Billy Herman, Hernan Gomez, however you like right. to pronounce his name. Um, Hernan Gomez is going to be very important, I think, for the Knicks if he develops into a, a, a really good big man, which I think he can. He has um, the athleticism. He's he's really really good um, running to the rim, blocking shots. Um, catching lobs, maybe improve his shooting a little bit. But I think if he can be a, a nice offset to Kristaps there, um, kind of, you know, how one guy's an interior defender um, protecting the rim and the other guy's kind of a, a exterior um, shooter or, or defending some smaller players, I think that can be really, really good for the Knicks going forward. That kind of, you know, hate to say it with New York, but the Twin Towers, you know, the, the uh, two, two bigs in the middle there, 
um, for the Knicks, I think that could be really, really deadly and dangerous um, going forward for the team. So I think Willie Hernan Gomez, his, his season is going to be very, very important to determine which way the Knicks kind of go um, after Carmelo, but which way their team goes um, as far as uh, development going forward. Yeah, I agree. That's another that's another important player to watch. And um, you know, if he if he turns out to be something real, um, then yeah, that's that's then that's, that's, that's going nice. to be a problem. That's, that's going to be, be a an, problem between that's good for the NBA. The that's yeah. yeah, they don't they're not going to be able to handle two bigs like that. And those guys are legit seven footers. And yeah. if they can play to their capabilities, I really think Hernan Gomez should be somebody that everybody pays attention to. Yeah, I agree. So. Jumping into the over-under now, over-under's at 30 and a half. So again, you're projecting a, um, you're projecting essentially a, if you're going over, you're projecting a no change. Uh, again, another 31 and a 51 season for New York. Um, to me, I, I, I feel like that's right. I'm going slight over. Um, I don't like this Knicks roster at all. Um, like, like, you, like I said, and like I outlined earlier, but um, I think that Chris Stops and this cast can scrounge together 31 wins at least, especially if Melo sticks around for a little. Because um, Melo, despite all his deficiencies, like he's still going to have nights where he's going to help you. He's definitely going to help you win games. And um, if he sticks on this team, he's definitely going to add wins to your, um, to your season. So I'm going to go 32-33 wins for this team. Um, I think I think they improved slightly um, that over last year. What do you What are your thoughts on the team? See, the problem with the Knicks is that, and you know, you said it right there. You know, Melo's on the team; they can definitely win a bunch of games if he's still there. Mm-hmm. The thing is, the Knicks have not won more than thirty seven games in the last four years with Carmelo as their number one guy, and Carmelo's only gotten older and a little worse as a player, especially defensively. Right. Um, yeah, I'm going under there. I think they're going to be like 25 wins. I think Ooh. they're gonna they're gonna be a team, especially if they trade Carmelo and sell really really low, um, and get just a bunch of you know random parts and pieces here. Maybe a late first round pick or something. I think they're going to be like a 25 win team. I don't think I don't think Kristaps is ready to be that number one dude. Uh, I I you know I think he is going to be able to take the steps towards it, but I don't think he's ready to be the number one guy right now. I think you still need Hernan Gomez to develop. Um, if you're running with Frank Nielakina as your starting point guard, you're asking for trouble. He's a rookie. He's 18. He's he's still you know I only I don't even think he can buy cigarettes yet. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy is fresh, 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 fresh. He's a young guy. Um, so yeah, I don't. I think I'm taking the under on that. I'm saying 25, 26, 27 wins. Wow. Um, and a and a really potential lottery team. Um, Depending on what they get from Melo, I think that's a that's a qualifier. If I can put a qualifier right. on anything, and, you know, and, if they get a nice haul, if they trade him, yeah, if they trade him, and uh, which I think they will, yeah. Um, when all of a sudden said and done, you know, if it is by December twentieth before Christmas, you know, there's still a good chunk of the season left there. So, um, I think it's going to be a bad season for the Knicks, and I think they're going to be one of those teams that Brooklyn looks at and says, "Hey, we can leap them." And we cannot be a bottom ten team. So. That's where I was going. Is you so you think you think as of right now where things stand, yeah. you're projecting Brooklyn over New York. Yeah, That's I think New York's going to be the. I think New York's going to be the worst team in the Atlantic Division this year, and I think Brooklyn's going to be four. Hmm. Uh, Philly, Philly three. Yeah. 
That's interesting. All right, so let's jump to Toronto now. Um, Toronto, they had, I would say, a relatively disappointing offseason, even though they, they re-signed their guys, Lowry, and uh, their main guys, Lowry and Serge, to nice contracts. Uh, I thought those contracts were pretty fair, pretty favorable. Um, and, and they got K.J. McDaniels, a guy who I just think – I think I've seen – what I've seen from him I like. Um, Lorenzo Brown as well as well might be something. Um, so I, I like, I like those two, but I don't know how much, um, they're going to contribute. CJ miles was a nice get from Indiana. I like that a lot, but, um, again, they lost Damari Carroll in the trade to Brooklyn. They lost Corey Joseph in the trade to Indiana, Patrick Patterson to OKC, PJ Tucker to Houston. Those are, those are four, um, players that are, that are role players on this team. Now I know Damari Carroll and his health was not much of a contributor, but he was a solid body when healthy. Um, at, at the very least, I know he wasn't like the greatest and he had his stretches where he was terrible, but I still liked him as a guy on the roster. If, yeah. He if was you're, part of their rotation for sure. If you're scrapping money, like I just want to have that guy on my team, um, as a nice, as a nice forward as whether he's one of the last forwards to play or, um, or in the rotation, I, I like him on the roster. So, um, you know, and, and the core is older of this team. So, uh, the question really is, did this team get any better? And where do you put this team in perspective to the rest of the top-tier East teams, the Clevelands, the Bostons, the Milwaukee's, the Washingtons? Like, where do you, where do you, put, um, where do you put Toronto? Man, I think they're in that top tier there of the teams in the East. Right. Um, Cleveland, Boston, um, Washington, Toronto. I think it's those four teams up top there. Um, but I can't. Uh, but I, but if I'm power ranking them, I'm putting Toronto four, um, mm-hmm. just just for the simple fact, like you said, it was a relative disappointment, and the fact that they just kind of stayed stagnant with their roster and just made some minor rotational moves, um, you know, swapping out a, a PJ Tucker, essentially swapping out Tucker, um, Patterson, and uh, Damari Carroll for CJ Miles. Um, their rookie that, that they drafted there, OG Ananobi, and yeah. uh, kind of hoping that they can put bump up Norm Powell there into a um, bigger rotation um, type of type of player for them. Right. Um, you know, they just stayed stagnant, and I think and I think that they have the biggest um, their their path towards the bottom half of the East is more clear than any of the other three teams in that top tier. Um, just because that Kyle Lowry's going to digress as he continues to get older, you know he's going to be he's going to be thirty two by the time mm-hmm. the, by the time the playoffs come around. Um, what what are we going to get? You know, point guards when they go over the age of thirty, they start to go down. You see it with Chris Paul now. You've seen it in the past, Steve Nash. You name the point guard. You name the point guard essentially over thirty, and you'll see the the digression. Um, eventually in their play. Um, so it's going to be really dependent on what happens with their rotation, and, and especially Kyle Lowry, um, their all-star, their starting all-star point guard. It's going to depend on what he does going forward. So I think um, Toronto is a top-four team. But, you know, like I said earlier, if, if, you know, Philadelphia sneaks in the top four and Toronto falls down to five, six, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, especially given that they, they haven't really started to develop a guy like Luke, baby Noguera and Bruno Caboclo. I know those are the two names that have 
kind of uh, flirted in, in Raptors lore for the last couple of years as the two, you know, hopefuls. But I mean, they've just been sitting there in their development forever, and they haven't really done anything with them. While other guys like Norm Powell, De- Delon Wright, Pascal Siakam have gotten chances. Um, it's really going to depend on who steps up for them now that some of these guys are gone. And, and I think a lot of it's going to be Norm Powell. Norm Powell, what can you do, Norm Powell? Um, are you going to be able to step up and, and step into a new role here, potentially as the starting three? Um, you know, if CJ Miles isn't the starting three. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I think the, the Raptors are up there, but they, they have the, they have the highest chance of, of falling out of that top four. I agree. I agree. Um, I, I think this team got worse. Like you said, um, really the only, they lost four, four rotation players and the only player they got left that's, you can at least consider a rotation player or pen, for sure pencil in as a rotation player is CJ miles. Um, so I, and I don't like him better than um, better than PJ Tucker. I know offensively he's better, but I don't like him as an overall player better than CJ Miles' shooting is just going to be so important nice. for them. Yeah, that will be a nice boost. But um, again, Corey Joseph, huge loss. Um, so, and you kind of outlined this. So my biggest concern with this team is a lot of youth and not much depth on the bench, especially at the guards and in big spots. Like, so. Obviously, I'm I'm high on I'm high on Powell, um, but outside of that, I'm highly suspect of all these prospects and their abilities to to become good role players at least in this season. So, like, what do you think of guys like like Durant, uh, Delon Wright, uh, Pascal Siakam, like all the all these guys that that you were just mentioning? Like, w- what do you think of them? What do you think their chances are of actually being something that being contributing players to a to a playoff? top tier playoff team it's really unclear right now right right you know what i mean like it's really unclear what they're gonna be you know we the the, the guy that we saw come out and have his coming out party last year was norm powell you know everybody knows norm powell and and the the superman dunk in the playoffs and all the stuff that he's done for the raptors the last year um you know that's going to be the guy that has all the eyes on him out of that young group of guys you know norm powell delon wright yeah jacob pertle um pascal siakam uh, OG Ananobe and the uh, two Brazilians, Caboclo and Naguera. I think those are the kind of younger guys that they're looking at. You know, Ananobe's, who knows if he's going to be healthy, ready for the season. Um, Fred Van Vliet, you know, he had some some nice moments there, but, you know, who knows. Um, I think I think their development's going to be what makes or breaks the Raptors this year. I think you know what you're going to get out of Lowry for the most part with a little regression. Um, unless unless Kyle Lowry falls off the cliff completely, if yeah. Kyle Lowry falls off the cliff completely, which I can see, Kyle Lowry's the oldest player on this team. Yeah, that's crazy. To and me. he's been fighting off he's been fighting off a decline for quite some time now. That and his injuries. Yeah, um, he's had a he's yeah. had he's battled a couple of injuries that either you know ended his playoff run or, or hampered some part of his season. Um, Kyle Lowry's the oldest team oldest guy on the team. Um, I'm not going to disrespect Serge Ibaka like that, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, Kyle Lowry is the oldest dude in the team, and that's crazy to me. And, and it's going to be really dependent on these young guys. Are we going to see Siakam? You know, he started the year last year as the starting power forward, and then he took a nosedive um, into yeah. into obscurity and being out of the rotation completely. Um, they really like him. So, are we going to see Siakam step up? Are we going to see? Um, Noguera and Caboclo in their last year here kind of with the Raptors are, are, are either of those guys going to be something 
to to call home to. I mean, especially Noguera. Um, seemingly, he's going to be the backup big man behind Valanchunas. Um, you know, it's going to be Valanchunas, Noguera, and, and Ibaka there, that kind of big man trio going on for the Raptors. What are they going to do with him? Are they going to get something out of Jacoperto? Are they going to get it's it's all about what they can get from these guys. And if they can get, you know, do not ask them to score 20 points a night, but they need to contribute a little bit, you know. Uh Ananobi if he's healthy, he can be a really good defender, but he has to be healthy first. Norm Powell has to has to kind of play maybe a little bit bigger than his size. He's 6-4, but he he's going to have to play that you know, three-man wing wing position there. Right. Um, and defend a lot of bigger guys, especially in the East. I mean, look at the guys out East. You have Otto Porter, really long, really big. Um, Jason Tatum, he's a bigger bigger wingman. Um, Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward he's a bigger wingman. LeBron, yeah, exactly. You have all these guys, Carmelo, and, and the list goes on down the line. Even you go to Brooklyn, Alan Crabb and, and Damari Carroll, those are big, bigger dudes. Yeah. And Delon Wright's a 6'4", or Norm Powell's a 6'4". You know, he's smaller than a point guard, most yeah, he, point guards. So it's going to be interesting. I think these guys are they. It's their time to shine, and I think it's now it's time for uh, for the Raptors' development, the 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 lauded development that everybody claims is the best. You know, they they've developed their guys so well, but we've only seen flashes of this. Yeah. We haven't seen them take the court in heavy minutes, and we haven't seen them do anything important because at the end of the day, we always look at Lowry and DeRozan. Now it's time for these young guys to step up and do something here, and and maybe. Um, kind of help shepherd the the future core whatever that is if that's Delon Wright, Powell and Ananobi or or Jakobertel or Siakam or somebody and yeah. kind of transition into the new era while Lowry Ibaka kind of fade out and and DeRozan too in a couple of years after them um I think I think the season is going to be determined by those young guys at the end of the day I think their 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 development and and how they play with the team is going to be so important I agree. And when are we going to see any val- any development from Valanciunas? He's kind of been just stagnant for the last yeah, you, couple of years. You, and you he's know, only he's, 24. He's the most interesting thing. I, I, it's kind of subplot of this whole kind of offseason to me is, is that Valanciunas came into the league with a lot of fanfare around him. You know, this big man, he can play in the middle. He's really good. And, and now they're struggling to get a trade-off, you know, trying to ship him out of town. And, and do something where they put Ibaka at the five and Siakam at the four, you know, kind of go really small with their lineup. And, and you know, like, it's it's interesting to me. Um, it's interesting. It, it's just interesting to me what they're doing with Valanciunas because, you know, two years ago he wasn't playing fourth quarters. And now last year he was getting the ball all the time. And as the playoffs came, he wasn't getting the ball at all. And he was getting benched. And it's just interesting to me what they're doing with Valanciunas. I just don't think they know what to do with him. And that's partly his fault because he's not a good defender. He's not a good rim protector. He's not going to get you, you know, a couple blocks a game. So it's going to really depend on uh, uh, on his development too. I mean, he's a little bit on the older side in terms of experience. But, yeah, he's he's under 25. So I think – his uh his path is is just as uh important to the Raptors' success as as a couple of those younger guys we named before. I agree. I agree. Um, so you ready to jump into the over under for this? Yeah. All let's right. Let's do this one. So this one's tricky because we just kind of spent this whole segment bashing the Raptors for their <laughs> lack of depth and and outlining all their flaws and all those flaws are very real and some might even say probable. Um, but 
I'm still taking the slight over. It's at 48.5. I'm going wow, the slight over. Wow, 50 wins. I, I know this team got worse, and their lack of depth is concerning. But, however, you just got to look at Toronto. Um, Toronto is a is a great regular season team. And I see that, and I know that they've been, you know, they've become a terrible playoff team, and that's kind of become a shadow. But let's not overlook that how consistent and solid this team has been for the past four or five years in the regular season. They always have stretches where they look like they're a top of the East. And yeah, especially last phenomenal. year when DeRozan just went off. Right, right. so, um, you know, they, they always have their moments. Um, I think with this core... Uh, they got an experienced and veteran core, so as long as they stay significantly or decently healthy, I think that this team you can pencil them in for the over. Um, I I see them as fifty. I I see fifty flat with this team. So a game a game over what um what the over would be. So I'm not confident about it because you're right. This team of those four you mentioned: Milwaukee, Cleveland, Boston, Toronto. This is a team that's most likely to take the nosedive, but. Um, I just think that they've been consistent for the last four or five years, and I, I, I just kind of am going with history. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they hit 50, but I'm I'm leaning more towards they're going to um, fall below that over-under. Right. But not any, anything crazy, not like 30 wins. Right. Um, 45, I think 45, 46, 47. Um, yeah. You know, that's going to be the – that's going to be the number – um, I think that they're going to fall there, but like you said, you know they're going to have stretches where they're they're solidified and 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 um, their proven experience with guys like uh, Lowry and, and DeRozan is going to shine through. But I still think that it's not going to be uh, anything. They they definitely digressed in their roster construction, um, and it's going to like I said, it's going to heavily depend on these young guys. So um, I think forty five, forty six, forty seven is a us uh what i'm gonna go with the under all right yeah um it'll be interesting to see they'll be they'll be one of the teams that you definitely that you definitely have to watch all year because um they're gonna go through ups and downs um with boston now the last team in the division so last year they had this incredible year isaiah had one of the top 10 most efficient years in the history um when it comes to scoring in the history of the nba and um, he propelled this team last year. I looked it up. They were their BPM, their projected uh, wins was forty eight. Um, now that wasn't the Vegas over under. I don't know what the Vegas over under was for them last year. However, um, forty eight was what they were projected by the by the advanced uh, BPM. But um, they finished with fifty three. So they finished five games over their projected BPM, which was incredible. Um, again, they just had this phenomenal season. They had a phenomenal playoff run, full of ups and downs. Isaiah played fantastic. He proved me wrong all year. I was definitely one of the doubters of him. And now he's gone. Um, so to recap, of course, there were the big moves of acquiring um, Kyrie Irving and uh, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. Um, they, have 12, they have 12 new players on this roster, and 11 of them have been shipped. And 11 were shipped out as of right now. Um, <laughs> So, you know, they might cut one or two of those guys coming into training camp, but still, you're looking at you're looking at north of 10 people being um a 10-man roster overhaul. That's a complete overhaul. Um so again, they acquired uh they acquired Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. Those were the big acquisitions. They also got Aaron Baines from Detroit who I like a lot. 
uh, Marcus Morris, I really like from Detroit. Um, one of the most underrated things about him is that statistically speaking, he is the best defender on LeBron in the last five years in the league. I love, I love that. I love That's that. A very interesting stat thing that everybody says about Marcus. I love it. It's, it's probably one of my favorite things. Yeah. And, um, and man, I'll never forget that year or that game last year where he just went head to head with Melo and dropped forty, and that was that was a wild game. Um, yeah, you know he got. Uh, they also got Shane Larkin, an interesting point guard, one who I was high on coming into the league, but he's bounced around. He's definitely had his rough patches in the league, hasn't hit his stride yet. Um, maybe he can be some. And they're they're rumored to be interested in Andrew Bogut to acquire another big. That makes a lot of sense. I'll get into that later when we talk their roster. But um, they also lost a. They also lost a lot of players. They lost Avery Bradley to Detroit. They lost Jay Crowder, of course, to Cleveland with Isaiah Thomas. Um, they lost Gerald Green, uh, Demetrius Jackson to Houston. Uh, Jonas Jarebko, who was a nice role player, went to Utah again. Amir Johnson, another great role player, went to Philly. Kelly Olynyk, another great role player, went to Miami. Um, James Young and Tyler Zeller. Those weren't really um, major pieces that they lost. So. I mean, you they lost a they lost a good let's see a good six rotation players seven rotation yeah. players. Oh, uh, again, they lost eleven total, but seven of them being rotation players. So a complete overhaul to this team. Um, so let's just jump right into uh, what would you grade Boston's off season? Um, and were there any transactions you didn't like? Uh, I think it has to be an A plus, right? I mean, they got in Gordon Hayward, they signed Hayward, they traded for Kyrie, yep. they acquired Marcus Morris on a cheaper contract than what they would have eventually paid Real for Avery great Bradley, contract. one of the best in the league. Um, yeah, and, and you know they would have basically what they did was they swapped Marcus Morris, they they swapped Isaiah Thomas, um, and Avery Bradley for Kyrie Irving and Marcus Morris for Jay Crowder. If you're just looking at it for you know piece for piece, asset right. for asset there, um, and signed Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I, I don't think there's one roster. I mean, uh, offseason move that I disagreed with. I mean, you know, it's clear what they're kind of doing here. They're kind of um, trying to acquiesce to the offensive system that Brad Stevens likes to run, which is a more free free flowing offense. Pass it around a little bit more. Um, is that Kyrie Irving style of play? Who knows? That the Kyrie Irving thing is. You know, very interesting. That can be a, a podcast on its own. Is, right. is what kind of Kyrie Irving are we going to get? Um, are we going to get the, you know, ball stopping ISO point guard? Are we going to get a guy who is free flowing in the offense? You know, Zach Lowe did a podcast with uh, Howard Beck recently. Yeah, that was Jordan amazing. Court. That was a great podcast where they kind of del del dove into uh, Kyrie Irving and, and what his mental mindset and makeup is. Um, you know, you can't tell. You don't know. I mean, a lot of people. You know, it's it's documented that he didn't you know talk to his teammates after you know during the playoffs and. Kyrie's kind of a, a introvert kind of that guy, but he likes attention. It's it's really strange what kind of person he is, um, according to all reports. You know, I don't know him personally, so I right. can't really judge. Um, but you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what, he, what kind of uh, a role he plays. Um, I, I like their I like their roster overall. I mean, I understand why they did the 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 one is that you know the Marcus Morris for Avery Bradley thing that everybody looks at. You know, why didn't they trade Marcus Smart or Rozier or, or one of those guys um, instead of getting rid of Bradley? The thing with Bradley is, is you saw what KCP got this year, and it's only going to be more for Avery Bradley. Yeah, because Avery, Avery Bradley, Bradley is a better player than KCP. Exactly. 
to me, that's what I said when Detroit acquired Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley was the most likely ceiling of KCP. Yeah, and Avery Bradley's a fantastic player. Exactly. You know, he's not a he's not a slouch. He's a really good player, and I right. think him. You know, hate to step to another division, but Avery Bradley in Detroit's going to be really good. I like that. Um, yeah. I like and I think I think getting Marcus Morris is a fine exchange for Jay Crowder. If you're looking at it for a guy for guy, I think I like Mark. Well, Marcus Morris brings a lot more than Jay Crowder overall. Um, he's a little bit bigger. He can play a, a power forward, a legit power forward role, um, and he's really tough, just I like, like Jay Crowder. Crowder Personally, I, I do. Yeah, oh yeah. Efficient. I think. Well, I'm saying I like Crowder more than Morris, and you know that's coming from a big Morris guy in Detroit. But um, yeah, I I. And those two guys are really, you know, yeah. you're 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 splitting hairs at that point. You know what I mean? Who you like? You right. know, they're really kind of very similar players. Um, um, but yeah, I think their off season overall was was really good. I mean, I'm giving them an A, A plus. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, again, there wasn't a transaction I didn't like. People were upset about Ky- the Kyrie trade, the the quote unquote haul. But now with Isaiah Thomas's injury looking like it's looking, this looks like it might be a, even a steal for Boston. Yeah, um, and, and and looking at like you said, there, there's a possibility Brooklyn finishes with 30 wins and finishes like 11th in the conference and finishes with like the ninth or tenth pick, and yeah, so it's a very very nice um, trade. I and I really like it because another thing that I've hammered and I I hate to hammer Isaiah after the good year he had last year and all respect to him, he had an incredible year. But I will still stay with my point that I just don't think that that guy was, I don't think that that guy was the the championship point guard unless you surround him with extraordinary extraordinary talent. I don't think he's likely the franchise player. I know that's the debate of is Kyrie, but I definitely put Kyrie as a closer to being that than Isaiah. Um, I think that Kyrie is obviously has more physical tools than Isaiah. And Isaiah's a guy who was going to come, his contract was coming up. You're going to have to pay him ridiculous amounts of money. Same with Avery Bradley. So Danny Ainge got out of a lot of committed salary cap um, by moving those two. And again, Isaiah Thomas is a player, when when you're as small as Isaiah, if you lose a half a step, then you are a drastically different player. Drastically different. And I don't think that Isaiah Thomas is going to duplicate what he did last year. Even if he was fully healthy, I just think that that was such a just, I mean, there's a reason it was one of the top 10 most historic um, offensive or sorry, scoring um, seasons we've ever seen from a player. There's a reason it was that. So to expect him to do that or improve is just ridiculous. So I really like the trade. I think Kyrie, I'm just flat out. I think Kyrie's a better player than than um, Isaiah Thomas. I know that the numbers from last year could say otherwise, but I think in the package, Kyrie being younger as well, I'm taking Kyrie. Gordon Hayward, a really great player, um, a very underrated playmaker, so I'm, I'm interested to see what he does in Brad Stevens' offense. Um, same with Kyrie. I'm, I'm curious about the where he's going to be as a playmaker, but um, I like, again, I like the Avery Bradley trade too, just because you avoid paying him as well. Um, Marcus Morris is a, is a great pickup. Aaron Baines was a very nice pickup because he's yeah. a smart he's a smart big man. Um, I think he can I think he can be better than Olenek, um personally. Oh yeah. So I, I Olenek really has like the shooting. Olenek has the shooting, but but um, Baines interior is just a smarter player and defender. 
Uh, yeah, he's a better defender and he's better rebounding. I mean, his right. rebounding is just going to be very, very, very instrumental for, for Boston, a team that kind of struggles Sucks to get rebounds. Yeah. yeah, especially Al Horford. You right. know, I think he's allergic to rebounds. So I think <laughs> Baines coming off the bench or even playing alongside Al from time to time is going to be very beneficial for them. Yeah, I agree. And then you got a lot of wings in Tatum, uh, Brown, again, Morris, Hayward. All those guys can play multiple wing spots. Um, and and move anywhere really from the two to the four. A lot of those players can move. So the guy, it, it's interesting. The guy that I will cape for, and I will definitely say to watch for, especially on this roster, is Semi Ojale, the uh, the forward out of SMU. They got him in the in the second round of the draft. Right. I thought he was a first round talent. I thought he was going to go in the lottery. Um, I had him uh-huh. at. at uh, Portland there, I think, in the late lottery there. Semi Ojale, big. He's strong. Look, Google a picture of Semi Ojale. If anybody's listening and, and doesn't know Semi Ojale, just Google Semi Ojale, S-E-M-I-O-J-E-L-E-Y-E. Google what he looks like, and oh my goodness, he is an ox. This dude is stacked. Um, he's big. He's strong. Um He's a good player, so don't sleep on that. Semi Ojale as a potential, you know, um, deep um, bench contributor for the yeah. Celtics. Um, I, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have some uh, some really, really, really good, uh, good, good opportunities if um, things break right for him. I just did. I was. I was blanking. I couldn't match the name with the face. Man, the dude is a tank. Yes, the dude is an ox. He's an ox, bro. Like he is stacked. This dude is strong as hell. Um, yeah. He's really, he's really, he's huge. There's that one picture of him flexing and screaming. Right. Yeah. He's he's a wow. he's a he's a tank. Yeah. Um. So jumping to jumping to Boston and Cleveland, because uh, obviously that's going to be a hot topic considering the fact that they tr- made the huge blockbuster trade and everything. Um, I'm still putting Boston behind a fully healthy Cleveland just because I'm giving LeBron always the benefit of the doubt. And Isaiah Thomas is good when healthy, if he's fully healthy. Um, But Boston has assets to move. So do you expect any other transactions from Boston throughout the season? And if so, for who? Like, what do you think Boston's mindset is at? Or do you think they're comfortable with rolling this team out for the year? I think they're comfortable with rolling the team out as it is right now, absolutely. But I also am kind of keeping an eye on a couple players, um, especially as the season breaks down a little bit, to see where some of these guys, maybe they can sneak in and grab a guy. Um, everybody's eyes, obviously, are on the uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Who? what happens with Boogie, you know, right. if the Pelicans don't succeed, Davis. what's going to happen with yeah, Anthony Davis and those guys. I have a name that's kind of interesting that I think could help them out if they unload some bigger contracts, I, what about Robin Lopez um, for the Chicago nice Bulls? Um, you know, the, the contracts are going to have to do something. It's yeah, you know, that contract Olympics there to try to get, yeah, to try to get those things agent? to match. Is he free agent? Uh, I think year? he's a free agent next because, because he was originally signed with the Knicks. Um, 
on his deal when he when he joined the Knicks. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up. And uh, I believe he's a free agent in 2019, summer 2019. But his contract's not huge. It's it's 13 million, 14 million over the next few years. I just like his game fitting with Boston, being a a, a big man who rebounds, protects the rim. You know, maybe you can get off a couple of those contracts that you have there. It's gonna be hard to do it, but uh, yeah, he's you a know, free there's agent a couple guys. Yeah. But I, I like Robin Lopez. I mean, a guy like that who can protect the rim, rebound, and not really, you know, and his passing is pretty solid too. Um, protect the rim, rebound, and not really command the offense too much. You know, you you could work something out there. I think it, I think Boston, though, is very content with their roster as it stands right now. I just think another thing they need is a big man who can rebound consistently. I agree. Um either to play with or maybe even dump Al Horford in a potential deal for a guy like Boogie or Anthony Davis or somebody like that because, you know, they can't he can't rebound, man. I just don't understand yeah. it. He's six he's huge and he just doesn't rebound. He just um, doesn't. and he yeah. never did, even with Atlanta. When he was playing next to Paul freaking Millsap, he just wasn't rebounding. <laughs> um so it's it's inter- it's gonna be interesting to see. But uh yeah, I think I think they're fine with the roster the way there is now. I mean, they're gonna hope these, some of these younger guys. You know, Gershon Yabuselli is a guy who everybody really likes um, as a as the Euro stash from last year. Um, like I said, Semi Ojale is gonna be a guy. Yeah. I definitely like Semi Ojale. He's gonna be somebody to definitely watch out for mm-hmm. um, if something breaks right for him. Um, but yeah, I think they're just going to kind of wait and see. Maybe they do a, a smaller lineup where they put Jalen Brown at the two there, Hayward, Marcus Morris, uh, Al Horford, and, and kind of just say, ah, oh, screw it. You might not need to rebound and see what happens. Um, so, so we'll see. We'll see. But I think going into the season, I think they're content staying where they are. I agree. I think they're content. Um, until something it- happens, I think it's, yeah. I think it's something that they're going to go for next season because, like I said, um, like I said earlier, and it's not being talked about yet, um, is the market is projected to be very dry next summer. So I expect that they could just wait out and then get players to sign for cheap. And when there's not really a big market, anyways, they can get players on a one-year cheap deal. Um, but I agree with you. Their their main issue is I think they need uh, one more true big and uh, one more guard as well. I'd like to see them get, but. As far as making like moves, I think Boston has their mindset on going for going big one more time, and so I think they have their mindset on going for AD. Boogie will become available before AD, of course, um, but I think that Boston's interest in him has expired, so I think they'll target Davis, um, and then also some other names to float out. I think they're I think they're really gonna wait for that next crop of of, of superstar players, which is Giannis, Kristaps Porzingis. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis. I think these are the guys who are in a couple years, if things don't work, maybe could be on the move. And so, um, it so I think that Boston Boston's obviously shown to be extremely patient with their rebuilding process. Danny Age has been extremely patient, or and that's resulted in him getting a guy like Kyrie, which is a fantastic player to get, a twenty five year old superstar. Um, so. I, I think that that's kind of the route they're going. Um, what do you think? Do you think could you see them flipping each pick for maybe like good solid role players, or do you think they're they're still waiting for that last big transaction? Yeah, I think I think I think I don't think they're going to do anything. I, you know, their picks that they have are very very intriguing to me. I agree. Um, I think they're valuable, especially, especially the Memphis. That. 
oh my god, that Memphis pick could be something fantastic. Right. Um, especially given where the team is going, you know, they the yeah. team they came out today and, and reportedly said that they're not shopping Conley or Gasol. Which but means I mean, that hell. for maybe another year that pick can and each year the protection lowers on that pick. So Exactly, exactly. So and the, the more they delay the lowers, blow up, the better. Yeah. Especially for that pick, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um I think they're waiting and, and gonna try and see what happens. You know, that that Clippers pick is also gonna get worse as time goes right. on. Um or, or better for Boston as time goes on. Um the Lakers I pick. don't think yeah, that Lakers pick and then the Philly and or Sacramento pick. Um, I think they have a bunch of picks that can that are still val- seriously, seriously crazy valuable, and you know they could try to flip something for maybe a Marcus Smart, try to trade him before he have, they have to sign his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's the only real contract kind of uh, that they have to look at for next season because he's a restricted free agent next year, and who knows what the restricted free agent market's going to be for him. Yeah. Um, they do have a serviceable backup in Shane Larkin, so I can definitely – I mean, Shane Larkin, I'm sorry, Terry Rozier. Um, so I, I'm sure they could, you know, flip Marcus Smart and keep Rozier in tow on the roster and still be fine. Um, but it's going to really depend on what they get back because their roster is really full and their starting lineup and rotation I think is pretty solid outside of that one big man. So I think uh, – I think they're fine right now. I just don't. I just don't think they're going to give up that uh, that any of those picks for anything, you know, uh, you know, a rotation guy or anything like that. I think it's going to be more of maybe package some of these younger guys, younger talents. If you know, Yabuselli turns out to be something, or Ojale, or, or even um, Terry Rozier, the untradeable Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. Um, if he becomes something, maybe they could flip him around. But I, I don't think they're going to do anything with guys like Tatum or, or Brown. Um, yeah. and that's unless somebody big comes calling for for Anthony Davis, so they got yeah, they still got a pot of uh, of prospects because they have a surplus of wings, yep. so they need a big. Yeah, I I'm with you. So um, I I think they're I think they're holding out for that mega trade. I don't see them do as too. a team. I don't see them as a team who's going to do maybe perhaps what Cleveland would do, which is flip this pick for this player, flip this pick for that player. Yeah, they're not trading a, first, a Memphis pick to the Nets for Trevor Booker. They're not right, doing right. that. Yeah. yeah, they're not doing those kinds of trades. They're, they're, I think they still got enough assets to outbid because they also will have – they'll have the situation, that the very, the very rare situation where they are a really good team that also has a boatload of assets still. So – Say Phoenix, who might have more assets than them at the time. Let's say Anthony Davis becomes a free agent or becomes on the trading block in a year. Boston has a better opportunity to get him than Phoenix. Phoenix can offer more assets. They can say, here, everyone but Devin Booker picks everything. However, Boston, because again, with AD, it's going to be about will he stay? Will he stay long term? And if AD looks at Boston and says Boston can offer you, you know, 70, 80% of what Phoenix can offer, but has, um, but Davis goes, look, I'm only signing with Boston. He could do a Paul George saying like, I'm only signing with a good team or, or he doesn't even have to say Boston specifically. He could just say Phoenix, you could trade for me, but I'm not committing long term. Yeah. Cause they're not good. And so then that really 
I mean, the players have the power today. That's just how it is. The players have yeah. the power. And so and Boston's Boston's setting themselves up for a scenario. They're setting themselves exactly for the Kyrie Irving scenario. Again, where yeah. you never know who's going to become available. Right. So let's make sure we stockpile our assets while we can. Because when a guy becomes available, you have a limited window to acquire him. And then now you're all of a sudden scrambling. Oh, man, I got to cobble together some trades because I wasn't prepared. Like, they, you know, teams get caught with their pants down all the time. And then, you know, they end up either giving up more than they need to. Like the, the Knicks, for example, a couple of years ago with Carmelo, they mm-hmm. gave up way more than they had to. Right. Or, you know, a, a team gets maybe not enough in a trade. And, you know, the Boston, the Celtics are, are geared for that scenario to pop up. Even if the – listen, if the Kyrie Irving scenario doesn't work out, they can always trade him. Yeah. They don't have to keep him. They, they lucked into Kyrie Irving. Because this whole a year ago, were we thinking of this? No, no. nobody was saying Kyrie Irving's going to be on the Celtics and traded for Isaiah four Thomas. Ago. No way. Four yeah, I mean, ago. four or five months ago. Look back to April or March or, or even All Star break. Nobody was saying that. Nobody was thinking that. This this came out of nowhere in the last month, um, especially with the Isaiah Thomas injury. So they're 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 trading. They they traded away a hurt player, uh, uh, unknown in Zizek and. Jay Crowder, who's a you know good, a good ups contract, and, he's a, a serviceable, player, yeah. yeah, he's a serviceable role player, but he's not you know winning you a title, yeah, um, and and a first round pick that they just happened to get because another team was incompetent at the time. Um, so I think Boston's in a good spot to just sit, wait, kind of be you know Doctor Evil there and just sit there and twiddle their thumbs and just wait for something to pop up and then just hit the you know hit the nuke button and just all right, we're taking whatever you guys got. Right. Right, yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see um, when that plays out. Uh, I talked about it in the podcast that was up earlier, um, the boogie and AD and the scenario when I covered the when I covered the Southwest Division. I talked about, of course, the future of the Pelicans if things go south. So check that out if you have not. Um, let's go to the over under. So the over under is at fifty six point five, and despite despite the blessings from the base god himself. I'm I'm going under confidently, and I really do look. I really sixty wins do. is a lot. Sixty wins is a lot. Yeah, yeah. Fifty six wins is or fifty seven is what they project because um, the over under is at fifty six, and which is the interesting is the interesting thing is that's also the second highest over under. So Vegas is projecting them to be the second best team in the league. Um, so I'm confidently going under. Sorry, base God, um, that curse is real. By the way. Just look at Kevin Durant. Look at James Harden. Look at all these <laughs> all these curses. They're they're real. Watch out, Lonzo Ball. Um, I th- I think their lack of depth though at the big and point guard spots um, is brutal. So any injury could be very brutal. Um, plus, this team last year overachieved. Like I said, they overachieved by five wins. They were really projected to be a forty eight win team. Um, plus, they did a major overhaul this summer, um, acquiring ten plus new players. That's um, a ridiculous overhaul, and this is one of the most confident unders I'm taking. I'm going 52. Not that I don't think that they'll be better come playoff time, because they absolutely will, but um, as far as this regular season goes, they got a lot. They got a lot to figure out, and they got a lot to work with, and so I'm going under. I'm going 52 wins. Um, yeah, you know, it's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of the things that you know, Boston faces this year is a kind of the question that a lot of teams um, who retool 
face in their first year of being together is can this unit fit and work together right yeah, and how quickly um yeah so uh you know it's it's gonna um depend on what happens with their with their roster and um how they're going to be able to gel together um going forward the season you know they won 53 games last year um but you kind of have to you know give into a factor that uh you know all these guys are you know like you said earlier there's some of them are out some of them are in um you know, there's no real health issues right now to be worried about, but their roster is, is, is it is what it is, but it's new. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting there. Um, I, I, I'm going to go under um, as well, but I'm going to go around that. Uh, what was their over under 56 and a half? I'll go, you know, 53. I'll say they'll be around what they were last year. Yeah. Um, 53, 52. They'll be over 50 wins. They definitely yes. should be. They have too much talent to not be a 51 team. I agree. Um, I do also think that they're going to win the conference. I think they're going to win the conference again, um, finish first, just like they did last year, just for the simple fact that uh, Cle- Cleveland's going to, if if all reports indicated are true, Isaiah Thomas is going to be out for a while. It's going to be LeBron James show, and I don't think a 30-some-year-old LeBron James can be the same um, driving force like he was when he was 20, 25, 26, 27, and leading a team to number one or so seed in the conference. Hmm. Um so I, I really like Boston um, being finishing in the top seed. Now, when it comes to playoff time, that's a different story. But as it, as it goes for the regular season, I, I like Boston. I'll take the under, but I, I do like them uh, to win the to win the conference there. Yeah, uh, 52 wins, 53 wins, anywhere from 52 to 54, maybe 55, best case scenario. Yeah, um, I like that. I could, I could see that winning. That will definitely be the – the winner of the conference, I feel like. Yeah, 60 um, wins is just a lot of wins, man. Yeah. That's a lot of that's a lot of victories. You'll have to stay tuned for the Central Division podcast, which is the next podcast I'm doing, by the way, with Duncan Smith of Piston Powered, a great, great writer. So um very excited to have him on. Um that will be the next division that we break down. And so in there, of course, we'll talk Cleveland and then you'll see after that what my thoughts are as Cleveland versus Boston as far as where where they stand in the, nice in the tease. at the end. Yeah. So um Check that out, man. You got it. I got to keep them coming back, right? There you go. <laughs> um, but Rob, look, this was a long podcast, but this was a really good one. Uh, we covered a lot of bases on here. Um, I think we gave a lot of teams um, a very in-depth look, look. So I'm very excited to see um, the fan reaction for this podcast when it goes up. You do great work, like I said, uh, Def Pen Sports. Why don't you go ahead and plug what you do because you, you do a great job. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate all the support from everybody. Uh, yeah, over at uh, DefPen.com. Uh, if you're an NBA fan solely, you can follow us at DefPen Hoops, um, yeah. or you can follow our sports page at DefPen Sports. You know, we'll cover everything um, as best as we can: the NFL, MLB, soccer, um, college sports, all that good stuff. So uh, make sure you give a follow there. You could also follow me at Roboto at R zero B A T O. And uh, and you can uh, keep in touch with uh, me and, and my musings from uh, the world of sports or wrestling or the mm-hmm. random stuff I like to enjoy on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, that was one of the things that surprised me about your Twitter is how much you're into wrestling. That's 
that's I love it. I yeah. used to wrestle when I was in high school. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I was I was on the wrestling team in high school and, and middle school and all throughout when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, I just remember when I was a kid, man, The Rock <laughs> and Steve Austin. And, man. you know, you just – those were the glory days. And now they're kind of sucking me back in as, I, as I'm older. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll get they back got me. into it. Um, hey, man, it's fun. It in it's a soap opera. If you think yeah. of it as just a soap opera and, and just entertainment, it's fun. Yeah. It's it's a soap opera with fighting, yeah. So it's exactly, uh, it's great. It's awesome. Um, yeah. So those of you that don't know, maybe this is your first time listening through through a guy like Rob. I appreciate you listening. Um, I'm Chris Platty. You can find all my content on my Twitter. Um, it's a link to my iTunes and my Podbean. Again, um, new things are coming soon, so stay tuned for that. But you can catch me on my Twitter handle. At real Chris Platty, that's C H R I S P L A T T E. If you don't know how to spell real, don't follow. Just kidding. If that's the first time you're hearing this, that's my little catchphrase. So actually follow. Um, but on there, you'll find a link to all my content, uh, both my hip hop uh, podcast and my and my NBA podcast. They're both intertwined into one. So um, so you can so it's very accessible. You can you can get both very easily on demand. I got a lot of I got a lot of topics I talk about on both. Um, again, this is the second of six division previews I'm doing. So um, the Southwest one with Noah Lofman, another longtime uh, guest of the Strictly Hoop Talk show. It, that one's out, so go check that one out if you haven't. Um, and then again, the next one I'll be recording is the NBA Central Division one. Expect that up sometime next week. That'll be a very um, that'll be a very good podcast as well. So. Stay tuned for that, and um, again, we'll get to we'll get to all the divisions as we approach the the start of the NBA season. So, Rob, I want to I want to thank you for taking uh, quite a bit of time to come on this podcast, man. No problem, man. I'm happy to uh, happy to help out. I was able to uh, you know uh, talk about some NBA as the season approaches. Exciting, exciting times. Yeah, the work never stops, huh? Very true. All right, man. Take care. You too, buddy.